0: The best Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson Hoi, here comes Carlson, 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 Carlson. In fact, ingen annan Carlson, Carlson. will be så bra som mig? Carlson. 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 Carlson, scores! Carlson, yeah. Carlson!
1: Everybody, to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who have a great podcasting schedule for the next couple of weeks. I'm your host, Elon Dubrovsky, with me, as always, the Poobah Prognostication, the IPP MVP, the fantasy hockey robot himself, Brian Com.
2: Hello, Elon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to what very well might be the first day of your fantasy hockey playoffs. If you've made it this far and you're about to make your playoffs and go on a championship run, congratulations. If you're not there, uh, you know, it's still give yourself a pat on the back because you're listening to the keeping Carlson fantasy hockey podcast, even though your team's out of contention and that's doing yourself a big favor to get ready to take another shot next year we know it's really the hardcore fantasy hockey players who are still with us at this point of the year and we appreciate all your ears still being with us and we hope we can reward your time with some very very useful fantasy info and advice and strategy tips.
1: <laughs> Brian, you're delusional if you think people who are eliminated are listening to this
2: right now. I think they're it's the like, sm- They're the smartest people in the world.
1: Look, you're talking to two out of the listeners right now, <laughs> but most of you are obviously ready for your playoffs, because I think if you're a listener of Keeping Carlson, that means you are set unless you're in a really tough league like couple or something. Then obviously it's hard, but then you're probably in some other leagues and you're doing well in at least one of them. And yeah, We've got a big show for you today. We've looked at the schedules of every single team for the next three weeks, which are the playoff weeks for the Keeping Carlson Ultimate and Fantasy League and probably a lot of other leagues and we've ranked every single team from best schedule over the next three weeks to worst schedule over the next three weeks and we are going to present our findings to you in this episode counting down team by team and we'll give some takes on those teams along the way before we get to all of that of course let's mention that we are presented by DobberHockey.com. proudly proudly presented by this awesome website I go there all the time you know you might think I'm just saying that but it's true I go there every day I read the articles I read the daily ramblings and Frozen Tools are the peak tools to use to prepare podcast about fantasy hockey and to prepare for your leagues. So check it out, DobberHockey.com and frozen tools. But okay, Brian, so here's the plan. Like I said, we've got a full ranking of all of the teams. Here's how I ranked it. So I looked at their schedules for, you know, the next three weeks, Obviously, the number one thing is the most games, right? The the most games, the better. If a team plays four games each week for the next three weeks, that's a team you probably want to get players from. Then, to break ties, uh, we're looking at like off day games or quiet day games. So, obviously, uh, if there's a busy Saturday, you're thinking of adding a player. There's no point adding a player on a day when your rosters already full. So, we've counted the off day games, and then we're also just looking at like maybe if there's a real tie, we're going to look at teams that have a better schedule, like sooner rather than later, because you could grab the player now, and then drop them later on in the playoffs you know we're trying to be like schedule sommeliers here okay like this is uh, like my and brian's opinion on who had the best schedules and obviously people can debate as we go but yeah as we go down at the start these are going to be teams where you want to maybe think of adding players from and then as we get to the bottom you're going to be getting to teams where you might be wanting to think of dropping players from if you have them on your rosters
2: i am excited Me too. And we have a delicious bouquet of players selected to talk about from the first team. So Elon, who, in your opinion, as the schedule sommelier, has the very, very best schedule the rest of the season?
1: Okay, so I want to start in Vegas because they go four, four, four. So four games in each of the next three weeks. Plus next week they've got a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday schedule. A streamagami, all like quiet days where you're not going to have trouble getting these players into your lineup. By the way, we're totally stealing the stream schemes format. By the way, Uh, so I should mention that this is maybe somewhat motivated this episode by Dave Betton's stream scheme. You should definitely listen out. He focuses on each week and who has the best schedule. We're looking three weeks ahead. But yeah, Vegas. Wow. And plus, like the teams they are playing right next week, they get L.A., L.A., Anaheim, Anaheim. Then in week two, they get San Jose, San Jose, San Jose, Anaheim. Then week three is a little bit harder when you get to your finals, uh, Colorado, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona. Uh, but anyway, yeah, this is a perfect situation because not only is this a team with a great schedule, but it's also a team that you probably have a lot of potential free agents out there that are in good spots on the team. Like Riley Smith, you know, he's been quiet forever. He's been dropped in a few of my leagues, but he's still on the Carlson and Marcia So line, scored a couple goals and had five shots in the seventh for win over Arizona on Friday. Uh, Nothing today. By the way, so uh, today on Sunday, we're recording this. Uh, Vegas beat Arizona 1-0 and I think it was Thomas Nozek who scored the goal so none of these players I'm going to mention were in on any of these, but yeah, Chandler Stevenson is out there in a lot of leagues, had two points versus Arizona hard not to like the potential of a guy playing on the top line and top power play with Stone and Pacioretty so Brian, I feel like these are two guys that maybe they've been dropped and probably for good reason because they've been so quiet, but now if you just want to pick a player that's in a good spot and has a good schedule, I like them both I actually added both on my couple teams so obviously I'm bought in uh, what do you think about them in general and if you had to pick only one who would it be?
2: Yeah, so uh, Riley Smith is someone who has been just one of the biggest frustrations of the season for me. I drafted him in the cupful for what I thought was great value, and I held him for way longer than he deserved to be held because Riley Smith's season this year—and it still does—it looked so similar to others where Smith has paced for sixty or more. Points. He had a 62 point pace last year with only five power play points. That's awesome. We love that kind of production. But this year, a 32 point pace and nothing at all has changed. His deployment hasn't changed. Like his percentages, like for variants are down a bit, but not so low, not to the point where I'd expect him to drop basically to have his point pace for a full season cut in half from 60 to 30. And so it's just a big old shrug from me on what the heck is going on with Riley Smith's season. Uh, the only saving grace for, for me and Riley Smith is that when I did cut the court, he still didn't do anything beyond that. He's consistently on a good line and at least a half-decent power play unit, and yet he can't quite take advantage, seemingly, ever. So I am not even at all going... Like, you can stream in Riley Smith for one, maybe two games, but if you're planning to add a guy to your roster for a whole week, I honestly would prefer a couple other options on Vegas before Riley Smith, who are probably available in your format. One of them is Chandler Stevenson, whose ceiling is admittedly lower than Riley Smith, and Stevenson also barely shoots, so he's a pretty boring guy to own. He's kind of like a William Carlson light which is saying something in itself, right? William Carlson is a past first kind of guy. You can't always expect that he's going to get a shot on goal and the points sort of come here and there. Stevenson's deployment isn't even as good as William Carlson, which is why I'm adding the light tag on. But hopefully from Stevenson, you can get, I don't know, one or two shots every so often and points semi-regularly just by virtue of him playing with really great line mates at even strength. And then the other guys that I'm going to take, Elon, in a full week over Riley Smith and you Tell me if I'm wrong. And I wrote this before the game happened today where Vegas beat Arizona 1 0. Arizona, by the way, just 14 shots barely testing Marc Andre Fleury, where Aiden Hill stopped 28 of 29. So a nice little start for him. But Tomash Nosek, with a goal today, is now up to 13 points in his last 17 games. That's six goals and seven assists. And I think it's sustainable ish. Like nobody on his line is shooting uh, like crazy, they've just been good. So it's been Nosek and Alex Tuck and Keegan Kolasar. And today I see that Nosek's assist came from Jonathan Marcius. So I don't know if you can spot check that, Elon, and see if that line, like that was just an accident or that line's actually sticking. But I am into any of Alex Tuck, who probably isn't available because he's been uh, having a really strong season, or Tomas Nosek, or even, I'm even going to go here, Elon, if you need D, how about Nicholas Haig? with six points in his last 13 games. Basically, I'm advocating to take anybody other than Riley Smith from Vegas. But it's nice that Vegas is a team with such a great schedule, because there are a lot of these deep guys who don't have any name brand value. So you might still be able to find someone to plug into your roster and help you out over the next few weeks.
1: Yeah, so I guess, like, we're just looking at this a little differently. Like, I'm definitely focused more, like, for a short-term ad, I guess. I don't know why. I just like Riley Smith. Like, I just feel like he's in the best spot. Like, I, I would take Chandler Stevenson first as well. But I feel like I'll take the guy playing with Carlson and Marcia. So I think he has the best chance to get points over, like, a Thomas Nozick. But I understand you wanting to ride a hot streak.
2: You would think so. And I thought that all season long, also for anyone curious, Rally Smith is the NHL player voted as the most similar looking to Elon. So maybe you guys have that sort of kindred oh, I didn't know connection. Yeah. Um, but Rally Smith has been there all year. So let me ask you how many times have you added riley smith or how many games do you think he's spent in, on your roster
1: over a couple of le- over different leagues i've added him i know what you're saying that because i haven't had him i haven't known yeah. the pain yet yeah. i just say also i'm looking at a guy with a track record of like you said he's been like a 60 point guy for the last couple of seasons he's in the same spot for the most part so i don't know for me I, this is a, a deep stream in a league where i'm trying to get four extra games as opposed to adding someone from another team where i'm only gonna get two games from i like riley smith so, But you you could recommend Thomas Nozak and people will have to decide. It's very unlikely to be able to predict this well since it's just a four-game yeah. sample. But I'm talking actually a 12-game sample because they have a good schedule all through the playoffs.
2: Yeah, anything is definitely possible for Riley Smith game to game. And I tell myself this every single time I consider re-adding him again. But if you ask me to pick someone, even for one game or for one week, I would take Thomas Nosek at this point.
1: Okay, we've changed, Brian. You and I used to be flipped in uh, how we look at players. But yeah, I I like the track record. We've got uh, 30 teams to go, so I guess we probably should move on.
2: (laughs) Didn't you want to mention something about Nosek's linemate, Keegan Kolasar that I was trying to set you up for?
1: Sure. Oh, thank you, Brian. Yeah, so uh, by the way, yeah, if you need peripherals, Keegan Colasar, who's getting some points lately, is also getting a lot of hits. So that's a good guy. My friend Dave, uh, Dave H., He uh, said, uh, you should bring up Keegan Keegan Colazard. Yeah, so he's getting points lately. I don't know, it doesn't seem, like, sustainable to me, just because it's the third line. Generally when I'm playing fantasy, and I'm trying to predict who's going to get me points, I... I like to go with a top six player, but lately, like you said, it's the nose at uh Alex Tuck line that's been producing uh, and obviously you get those hits from Colasar. All right. So the next best schedule is basically the same also four, four and four in the next three weeks, but only uh, three off day games next week. So the San Jose sharks are going to take a small hit behind Vegas because they play Saturday next week, which is a busy day, but also a really good schedule coming up. We'd already talked about them last week when we were trying to pump up Martin Jones and saying the sharks have a good schedule for the playoffs yeah they, like they get Anaheim and Minnesota for next week then they're going to have some Vegas games and then some Colorado games it's not going to be easy but there are going to be a lot of games for the Sharks and a, generally a good schedule aside from this coming Saturday uh, so with that it's like what's the recommendation as far as forwards I like Kevin LeBanc he's only 12% rostered on Yahoo and he has four points in his last four games and you know he's getting good deployments kind of the same as Riley Smith except actually producing he's on the top line and the top power play with Couture and Evander Kane so it seems like the perfect player off ad like if you're in a deep league or even not such a deep league if Kevin LeBanc is available why not just grab him and you'll get extra games out of him versus like you know think of someone as we get to the end of this episode so in two hours from now when we talk about players on teams with bad schedules think of if I have that player maybe I should be dropping this guy for Kevin LeBanc even if I like that player a little bit better the has got a good schedule it's in a good spot
2: yeah and a lot of the times the question is who would you prefer between four games of this guy versus three games of this guy and our advice is usually do the math Find out their recent fantasy points per game rates over the last seven or four. Well, not seven, 14 or 30 is usually a good way to go or full season. Multiply that by how many games they're, they're going to play for your roster. And that's how you're going to find out who the best player is that you want. But Kevin LeBanc should fit on a lot of rosters, especially with his deployment lately. And he's starting to make something of it, which is fantastic. I'll also throw out Rudolph's Balsers is another option who I, Mentioned in exactly the same context a couple weeks back when I called Rudolph's Balsers as a Kevin LeBanc light, and I stand by it. He's pacing for just six points fewer than LeBanc on the season and shoots takes about a half a shot per game less than LeBanc too. But Balsers is on a run of 11 straight games with at least two shots. And he had a five-shot game recently too, and that's nice Nice category filling for someone who you can't be so sure he's going to be able to to fill the goals or assist column, but at least he's going to get you a couple shots the way things are going. And he's playing with Timo Meyer and Tomasz Hurdle at even strength too. So that's good news for Balsers. Of course, he doesn't have LeBanc's power play deployment, which again is why he's the light version. But again, good schedule the rest of the season. So keep Rudolf Balsers' name in mind if LeBanc is already taken, if you're in such a deep league, and compare him with some of the options we're going to be mentioning towards the end of the show.
1: Yeah. And then in nets, I guess we have to mention that the Colorado Avalanche decided to take Devin Dubnik off of San Jose's hands. So I guess that's it for that offseason signing. Didn't work out too well for the Sharks trying out Devin Dubnik. So I guess that either means they're going to run Martin Jones really hard, or they're going to give a shot to like an Alexi Melnichuk, who's been brought up by some people. I remember when we had Will Nadeau on the show a little while, who was like, watch out for this Melnichuk guy if he ever gets a shot. Also, a, a player named Joseph Korinar backed up Jones yesterday and came in to make seven saves after jones was pulled in a bad game against la uh so i don't know brian do you know anything about either of these goals they they seem kind of similar they both played overseas earlier in the year and they both played like a handful of games with the barracuda and the ahl this season um any takes about like if either of them are worth looking at like i know last week we talked about martin jones he's had like a couple bad games uh since we did that last show and then a good game sandwich in between i think that's what you could expect from martin jones moving forward i think i think he's gonna play a lot and sometimes be great and sometimes be terrible that seems to be the pattern uh but i know that some people would be excited about melnichuk
2: yeah, I think Melnichuk might be the one to be a little more into. Remember that he played in the KHL for St. Petersburg Ska, who, you know the answer to this trivia question. What goalie has St. Petersburg Ska recently produced?
1: Uh, Shostjorkin.
2: Yeah, there you go. And don't forget Miko Koskinen as well. So Alexey Melnichuk coming from that. Uh, That pedigree, that Russian KHL pedigree, I had a 9.30 in 16 games in St. Petersburg in 2019-20. This season with Barracuda, uh, an 8.82 in 9 games, which really isn't that much worse than Joseph Coronar's 8.98 in 8 games with the Barracuda. So honestly, I'm not expecting much from either. I think the Sharks are going to ask Martin Jones to be a workhorse The question is just how many, like, he's going to need some breaks, especially with San Jose's busy schedule. So we'll just see how often these guys can come in. I expect Jones still starts at least four out of five or five out of six or even six out of every seven games Mm. for the Sharks. I think he'll start as many as his body can hold up for. I mean,
1: the thing is, like, when you play four games every week, you have a lot of back-to-backs, right? That means uh, one back-to-back each week. So I think if you're in a league deep enough where it's hard to hit, hit your minimum goalie starts, then once we find out who the backup is, you should probably be able to expect one start a week from the backup just because of back-to-backs, I think. And then we'll also see, like, if Malachuk plays well and Jones is struggling, why not just go with the hot hand? The Sharks still technically have a shot at the playoffs. So it's something to watch. Who knows? Probably you're just not going to want to put too much faith in a Sharks goalie. Uh, so we've got two more teams that have uh, four games in each of the next three weeks which is always a good thing for you in fantasy and those are the Montreal Canadiens and the Minnesota Wild the two M teams uh, so things are not looking great for the Habs uh, going into all of these games because Gallagher is out long term Carey Price is still out he might be back next week Jake Allen finally put up a stinker letting in five goals on 25 shots and the 5 nothing loss to the Jets on Saturday still with all these games coming up the Habs will score some goals they hopefully won't get shut out in all of these games and I'm sure there's someone out there for everyone depending on how deep your league is like the Habs have, like, a really, not stacked top line, because they're not scoring a lot of goals, but, like, all potentially fantasy-relevant players stack throughout their top line. Like, their lines in this game against the Jets were a Suzuki with Toffoli and Corey Perry, then Deneau, Tatar, and Kokaniemi, and then Eric Stahl with Josh Anderson and Jonathan Druin, and then on the power play... I mean, it's all the same names, I guess, except for Deneau on the power plays, spread out between PP1 and PP2. So, I don't know, I feel like I like all nine of these forwards. I just mentioned, uh, depending on how deep your league is, and that... Does include, uh, I'm surprised to say, Corey Perry. Like, this guy is not nothing. Like, going into the season, I assumed that he was going to be a non-factor. But he scored two goals versus the Leafs earlier this week and is clearly the one benefiting from Gallagher's absence. He even saw a season-high 20 minutes and nine seconds of time on ice on Thursday versus the Jets. Then he only played 11 and a half minutes on Saturday, but that was due to a 10-minute misconduct that he took in the third period. So, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of haves that I mentioned there. So, how about I'll just throw a generic question to you, Brian? Who would be your number one and number nine? Have to roster from these nine <laughs> forwards that I mentioned.
2: Oh my goodness! Well, you mentioned Corey Perry. I don't think that he's going to be my number nine, but he's he might have been. A week ago, but I, I'm glad you brought up that he's on a bit of a roll lately. You know, he's not as mobile or like generally capable as Brendan Gallagher, who maybe he's starting to try to replace a little bit. But if Corey Perry can just haul his butt to the right spot on the ice and get open for a shot, maybe he could see a little uptick. And I really like that Perry in the game where he got that misconduct and played only 11 minutes. He still had three shots on goal, so good for Corey Perry there. One player who'd be tempted to rank ninth, but I'm not going to allow it because I think he is DUE, he's due, or I should say high in DUE, is Jonathan Druin, who has just gotten stone cold lately, just one point in his last nine games after beginning the year with about a 56-point pace through 30 games played, which is uh, very reasonable. Like That's about what we expect from most forwards in Montreal. Um, And Druin is just not been able to continue that lately. He's been on my roster. He's actually my Riley Smith of the moment in good where it's like everything looks set up for production, but it's just not coming. But what I do like for Duran is that the shots are still coming reasonably well. He has no goals on his last 45 shots. He only has two goals on the year. So Duran's pacing for four goals on the season. He's never been a big shooter, a scorer, but he should be in the neighborhood of 15 goals uh, as an 82 game pace, but has been shooting 3% this year. But I do like, like I said, that he's had a couple four-shot games not so long ago, and he's playing on the better power play, and Durant has decent five-on-five line mates. So I think there's two possibilities for Duran. He's either a sleeper or a snoozer, (laughs) because he also seems to be losing minutes here and there. It's like walking that fine line between a sleeper and snoozer right now. So Jonathan Duran, not my first or my ninth pick. I think my first pick is going to be... Uh, honestly, I'm tempted to say Tatar. With the way he's been playing, he seems the most reliable, but I am just going to go Tyler Toffoli, which I think is the obvious one. And then my number nine is probably going to be Eric Stahl, even though he did score that power play goal in his first game with Montreal. I just don't expect a whole lot of production out of him. I guess that uh, Kotkaniemi could be the other possibility as my number nine. But uh, there you go. I You asked me to, to name my number one and nine, and I still somehow mentioned seven of them. <laughs> what what <laughs> I about you? I-
1: I think I would have said Foley and Eric Stahl also. So I think sure. that we ended up with the same answer. It is yes. wild that Corey Perry ends up there. I guess Deneau also isn't that exciting, not on the power play, but he's had some small runs of production recently. Okay, so next up, Let's go to Minnesota, like I said, the final team that has four games in each of the next three weeks. So unfortunately for Minnesota, Kevin Fiala was a late scratch on Saturday. He left during line rushes. So hopefully that means it's just a short-term thing, right? He went out there, I don't know, tweaked something, something didn't feel right. We don't know yet what's going to happen. But man, Kevin Fiala on such a roll, 11 points in the last eight games. And Minnesota has such a great schedule. So what a shame, what a waste it would be to have held him through the ups and the downs just to not have him injured in your fantasy playoffs. So hopefully, fingers crossed, Kevin Fiala is okay. Uh, so then I feel like with him out, is there like, I feel like there's not any other wild forward to recommend aside from Kirill Kaprizov or like not an obvious one, right? Like earlier in the year, we were looking at the Ericsson X and the Greenways. More recently the Matt Zuccarello and Victor Rask were playing with Kaprizov, but they've been cold as well. Is there any, like Brian, who's the number? I'm not going to ask you for a one and nine. Just give me, aside from Fiala and obviously Kirill Kaprazov. Is there a forward? Because again, we've got a great schedule here. Is there a forward that you would add on Minnesota?
2: Oh, it sucks because Minnesota has this really fantastic schedule and no one is doing anything. Over the last three weeks, and if I made it two weeks, it would have been even more embarrassing for the Wild Forwards, but I went to three just to be kind. So that's about 11 or 12 games. You've got Fiala with 11 points, uh, Jared Spurgeon, then with nine, Kirill Kaprazov with nine, then Ryan Hartman, is next. Former Nashville Predator Ryan Hartman with seven points, and three of those came in a single game. Uh, and then you've got Ryan Suter, so two defensemen in the top five, plus a bottom six forward in Ryan Hartman. And then Marcus Johansson with six points in 11 games. Then Carson Soucy with five points in 12 games. Then Nick Bukestad with four. So I am keep going down, and I still have not mentioned Joel Erickson-Eck or Jordan Greenway, who each have four points in their last 12 or Victor Rask, who has three points in his last 12, or Matt Zuccarello, who has two points in his last 10. It is a scoring desert right now for Minnesota. And it's really, really awful, because they do have this great schedule. They've had a good schedule for a couple of weeks now. And I'm holding Matt Zuccarello being like, hey, Matt, where are you? And I still keep waiting. So I, I think My approach with Zuccarello is similar to Drouin, where I just feel like this can't go on forever. This isn't the way it's supposed to be, and points are going to come. I just am definitely running out of patience for them. So if you're asking me which Minnesota forward you need to own over the next week to take advantage of their schedule, or two weeks or three weeks, I would say you don't. You don't need to own any of them. Fiala and Kaprazov for now— But if you want to take a chance on someone, I'd still think that Zuccarello has the best bet to perform. Do you agree or are you going to tell me that Greenway or Erickson Eck or maybe Zach Parisi or Ryan Hartman have a better chance to to put up numbers?
1: no I think I'm going to agree with you like I guess this is similar to my Riley Smith right like just give me the guy who's in a good spot like just because he hasn't gotten points before doesn't mean he won't get points in the future right generally when we're trying to project we're doing it based on like he's in a good spot I don't know he's a good player like Zuccarello went on a hot run I do like the fact that he's shown us the capability this season of going on a hot run playing with the exact same people Kaprizov and Victor Rask so yeah if I'm going to take someone give me Matt Zuccarello and he's probably like the nice thing is he's done so badly that he's probably dropped in a bunch of leagues so you could try him out and see take advantage of of this good schedule, but obviously no guarantees because we've seen how cold he can be. One definite ad I won't even ask you about him is uh, Jared Spurgeon. If yeah. you if he's available and you need D, or even if you don't need D, find room for him because he's finally taken a stranglehold of that top power play. And he was on a run of six points in five games before going pointless in his last couple. But if your league counts blocks, you didn't even mind that he was pointless on Saturday because he had six blocks versus St. Louis on Saturday. So in like two hours, uh, you know, at the end of the show, we'll talk about the Oilers and their terrible schedule coming up. And so yeah, I feel like you have a tough decision to make if you have like a Tyson Bear and Spurgeon is out there obviously you like Barry better in general like all things equal but all things aren't equal and Spurgeon's gonna play like double the games over the next little while I think I'd take Spurgeon playing double the games over Tyson Barry but obviously that would be a tough swap to make
2: Yeah, and you've also got Darnell Nurse is another uh, Edmonton defenseman that a lot of people might roster and not get a lot of games out of. So there's there's a lot of calculating to do, and Spurgeon looks pretty good. Only three shots in his last five games, which is not what we hope to see from him, but it is nice to see that finally... Because Dumbo wasn't even really producing regularly from the blue line on that Minnesota power play, uh, which wasn't doing anything for so long as we've harped on during the season. So it's nice to see that the power play is clicking and Spurgeon's getting in on it.
1: Okay, so next up uh that we've got teams finally not playing four times in all of your fantasy playoffs, but still a pretty good schedule for the New York Rangers who've got four games in each of the next couple of weeks and then three games in that final week, but also they've got some off-day games in these next couple of weeks. So if you're going to grab a Rangers streamer, they're probably going to get in games for you. The Rangers are actually playing today. The score is currently 2-2 with the Islanders going into the third period and I want to just check these lines quickly. So yeah, things are looking the same. Strome with Panarin and Carl Colin Blackwell, then I guess like Zibanejad with Krader and Buchnevich. It looks like Zabanajad has also gotten Kravtsov on his line for a bit. But I want to focus on Colin Blackwell because I think all you have to say is that he's playing with Panarin and Strom and that should almost be enough because these two have been amazing. We were, you know, gushing over Ryan Strom last week and trying to debate if you want him over Tavares, which regardless of what our answer was, just the fact that we were having that discussion. says so all you need to know about Ryan Strom. But obviously that's all because of Panarin. So that brings us back to Blackwell, who has scored in three straight games going into today's games. He hasn't scored yet. We'll see if he can make that. four uh, and six goals in his last seven games going into today so Brian do you think Blackwell can hold this spot but obviously it doesn't matter right you just you hold him until he gets bumped from this spot and then you let him go but right now I feel like he's worth rostering in a lot of leagues and he's available all over he's playing with Panera and he's scoring goals every game it's kind of like another Connor Brown who we'll get to in a little bit
2: yeah, yeah, kind of like another Connor Brown and that he's gone on runs and is on one right now. And this is not the first time that Colin Blackwell has been fantasy relevant. His last run, he had four goals on 14 shots over six games. This current run for Colin Blackwell, six goals in seven games, as you mentioned, Elon, but on his last 13 shots, he scored six times. And obviously, that's not something that's going to hold up even if you're playing with Artemi Panarin and Ryan Strom, so I'm not banking on this holding. His last run was slightly more sustainable, and it came to a very abrupt halt, and I suggest that as soon as the points stop coming from Colin Blackwell this time around, that you don't get stuck waiting around, and you just decide to cut ties as soon as you can, because I really don't think that the scoring we're seeing from Colin Blackwell is sustainable. Enjoy it while it lasts, but then please say goodbye.
1: Sure. But like, even if it doesn't completely last, if he only scores two goals in a four game week, I'll still take that, right? Like, I'll still be very happy to get two goals out of my streamer compared to a player that was only going to play like three times and probably wasn't going to score two goals. So obviously, it depends on your situation. While he's with Panarin, I like him more than, I'll say I like him more than Zuccarello. I like him more than Jonathan Drouin.
2: Yeah, I I don't. Honestly, two goals. Like, I would say he's more likely to get assists than goals. And two goals in a four game week is a pretty tall order, right? a like goal every other game is a lot to ask and
1: oh I know well you just said that he's not going to keep it up scoring a goal exactly. every game so I'm just saying like yeah if he does have that I'll still be happy with it you're saying even that's not sustainable <laughs> I mean, even
2: that's asking a lot he'll be lucky to do like a quarter maybe 20% of it so uh, good yeah he's not someone honestly even with his good schedule Colin Blackwell is not someone I'm that interested in holding by the way you mentioned Vitali Kravtsov the 21 year old has registered his first NHL point tonight and assist congratulations Vitali.
1: Yeah, and that was with Zabanjad got the other assist. Like I mentioned, Zabanjat is playing with Kravtsov and uh, Kreider right now, so
2: that's did a good Kreider spot. Did Kreider score the goal?
1: No, a defenseman did. Brandon Smith.
2: <laughs> a defenseman did. Not even gonna... a nameless defenseman. Well, I'm just saying, like, uh, you know, like
1: it's interesting when you see the forwards because then you need to learn about right. the line a little bit. But yeah, it was just some random defenseman who's not going to score very often. So, Brian, are you saying you would prefer, like, because didn't you just say you like Thomas Nozek on Vegas? Yeah. You like Nozek more than Blackwell? Yeah oh disagree i'll take the guy playing with panarin every day do you, want, do, do you
2: want to do a bet rest of the season
1: i don't know like we don't need to do a bet because also it's like it de- like i'm saying while he's playing while blackwell's playing with panarin like as soon as that changes i wouldn't be interested in him anymore and so i don't know i can't predict the rest of the season i'm just saying for right now for next week the rangers play four times and if i'm looking for someone to stream in blackwell is is high on my list just because he's playing with panarin and he's on a run okay cool I guess we've changed, yeah, because I'm into lines. I don't know. you. Uh,
2: I don't, I'm also very much into lines. But no, Blackwell- you're
1: into recent production, except not if it comes on a low number of shots.
2: Uh, Yeah, but Blackwell was on a good line before when his streak fell off, and then he fell off the line, too.
1: Yeah. All right. So anyways, yeah, these are obviously deep ads. Obviously, in general, you're happy if you have the high-end Rangers. If you've got your ads or your Panerans, then you're going to have a nice playoff run, probably, because you're going to be getting a lot of games out of those players. Uh, let's go to New Jersey now. They also go 4-4-3, four, four, and three, and they are also playing today. And, you know, there's actually been a lot of devil's talk uh, this past week on short shifts because they had the big trade acquiring Kyle Palmieri, who did finally score today his first goal. At... Wait a minute. He's not on New Jersey anymore. Oh, man, I got to wait until we get to the Islanders before I talk about Kyle Palmieri. I got excited. Okay, so let's talk about New Jersey. Uh, they've been seeing a couple strong lines, even with these players out of the lineup, even with Zajac and Palmieri gone. They've been running Brat Zaka, and Wood, and then Hughes with Sharon Govich and Koukounen. And I see that New Jersey did play today, so I did have that part right, at least. And they had to go... Oh, so that line with uh, Miles Wood, assist, uh, assisted by Jesper Brat. I thought I saw that that uh, Jesper Bratt got a point today. I wonder if that got taken back or something. If there was a goal canceled, I looked a little bit earlier. Anyway, those are a bunch of players that are all doing pretty well right now. Pavel Zaka is in a, on a really nice run. Six points in his last four games going into today. Jesper bratt we've talked about a lot. He's got 14 points in his last 14 games going into today. Miles Wood, like I said, got another point today. Even Jack Hughes has started to wake up. He had five points in his last four games after he was cold forever. Uh, Koukounen and Govic also over a point per game in their last like handful of games. So, uh, I don't know. I don't really have a question here. Oh, plus Nico Heesher could be back re- uh, soon. He was scheduled to potentially even come back today. It looks like that didn't happen. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't really have a question. I guess we don't have to ask you something about every single team. Do you have any comments about the Devils or we can move on?
2: Well, sure. Yeah, I'll comment just that Jesper Brat is definitely, definitely rosterable. If you're on the fence about him, get off it and get him onto your roster. Jesper brat has been... Uh, producing at a solid, solid pace for a while now. And for, of course, now he, I do see him with an assist Elon tonight. So that would put him at 15 points in 15 games. And I'm not expecting a point per game from him, but he's on a 60 point pace on the whole this season. And I think it's pretty sustainable. I don't see any reason to not believe that Jesper Brad is a 55, 60 point player the rest of this season. And hopefully in the next one too. So I would say if you're looking for a devil, you want Jesper Brad or Jack Hughes, uh, Uh, right at the top. They're kind of in a tier of their own. And one interesting note about Jack Hughes is that his ice time has gone up lately. He was actually seeing 14 minutes a night. He had seen a a pretty big dip in his ice uh, about the third week of March. But over the last week or so, maybe two weeks, he's seeing 20 or more minutes a night. Uh, Four out of five games going into tonight, he had seen 20 or more minutes. One of them he saw over 24 minutes. And the only one that he didn't see 20 minutes, he had three points in with nine and he only played 16 seconds short of 20 minutes. So Jack Hughes right now i assume is just going to keep seeing plenty of minutes down the stretch as the devils are really i think just looking to develop further for next season and why not their deck use a bunch of minutes and give him chances to score so i am uh, i'm most into those devils and then i'll go sharon govich paul zaka Koukinen, and miles wood one guy we haven't named elon is andreas jansen what a bummer of a season for him yeah. two assists in his last 26 games That's his season. He's been on the top power play the last couple games going into tonight, and has had some opportunity to score all the way, but hasn't. So I guess good call by Toronto, cutting him loose. He doesn't have a whole lot to offer. He's like, uh, you know, Kasperi Kapanen went to Pittsburgh and did well, and Andreas Jantzen was the, the worst case scenario.
1: Yeah, it's a shame for him. Yeah, I thought that he might have something left, but clearly not. Like, we're definitely into guys like Sharon Govich and Koukounen over Andreas Janssen. I think the Devils are as well, so he's probably done with his fantasy relevance. That might be the last time we ever mention him on Keeping Carlson, unless something changes. Uh, I'll mention P.K. Subban. Uh, that's a, he was having a really good not really good but he was having a decent season like he was rostered by me in a couple of my leagues and I was enjoying the production but he hasn't been getting getting in on any of the fun like the Devils have been scoring a lot of goals lately and Subban is pointless in five only one assist in his last 12 that's going into today of course no points today so far uh, so I don't know. I don't know what happened to P.K. Subban. Any sense, Brian? Like, is he someone he's probably now dropped into all the leagues? He's available in all of the leagues that I used to have him, mean, inclu- including the Kakupful Tier 1. Is he someone that I should consider adding at some point? Or at this point, has he just forgotten what he was doing before and is not able to do it anymore? It's so weird to just see someone being somewhat productive and then totally fall off.
2: Well, the key is that you said Subban was only somewhat productive, right? Like, on the season, it, it, I, he hasn't been cold... All year. It's been the last 15 games or so, but it still washes out to just a 31 point pace. Remember, he started really slow too and had a nice chunk in the middle. So, Subin has been slow for longer than he's been hot this season, and that's one reason to not expect him to suddenly blow the doors off again, but he is still taking just over two shots per game, even while he's not scoring any points. That's a good sign. And the other reason why Subin might be struggling to put up points is that the Devils on the power play, have been brutal over the last two-plus months. They have just eight power play goals on 66 opportunities, so that means the Devils are converting at about a 12% success rate with the man advantage, which of course does not offer P.K. Subban a whole lot of chances to put up points in that situation. So there's hope that Subban can be better than the 30-point player the rest of the season, but I wouldn't put him above 40 points, which makes him fringe rosterable in a lot of formats.
1: Yeah, like the Devils have a good schedule and still I'm kind of over Subban at this point, which is too bad because I liked what he was doing. Okay, so Brian, we've still got a whole bunch of teams to get to, but why don't we take a quick break. Uh, So you're listening to Keeping Carlson. We'll be back soon.
0: Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases
1: Alright, we are back, and we still have some more teams to go through, Brian, that have, in the next three weeks, two of them with four games, and one of them with three games. I put the Devils ahead, because it was and the Rangers, they were like 4-4-3, four, four, and three. so like I said, I wanted to, like, front load as much as possible, but now we're getting to a team, the LA Kings, who go 4-3-4, four, four. so four games, then three games, then four games, but next week's is really nice, because, just like Vegas, it's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, slate, eh, Sunday slate of four games, which is what you always want to get a really good schedule next week, and the LA Kings, you know what? They've got a great schedule by the numbers. But next week might be tough because those four games are against Vegas twice and Colorado twice. So on one hand, I want to be like, yeah, grab those LA players to get games, but there's a good chance they could get shut out in one or two of those games. Uh, Obviously, you want to get into that first line if like Brown or Ayafalo are out there, I think. Both scored a goal in the 4-2 win over the Sharks on Saturday. And then our next tier of guys, I guess, would be like your Jeff Carters and your Adrian Campe's. Campe's been pretty quiet lately, still on the top power play. Carter wasn't doing much of anything, but his one goal and one assist on Saturday. Give him three points in three games now and a couple big five and six shot and goal games recently if you had to pick one between Kempe and Jeff Carter is there someone who interests you for a nice four game slate next week
2: yeah can I say none of the above sure I, like if I had to choose one I'd go Jeff Carter who has two goals and 15 shots in his last four games whereas Adrian Kempe who we loved seeing those big shot games from him we haven't seen one in over a month now Kempe's last big shot game had him see six shots on net and that was back on March 10th since then Kempe has just 28 shots in 15 games you could do the math that's less than two shots per game which is not what we sign up for when we add Adrian Kempe to our roster so my true answer is I'd probably let both these guys be but if you're in a deep enough league that one of them really is worth adding for their schedule I would prefer Jeff Carter
1: Okay, I think I agree with you. And yeah, you obviously can choose none of the above. You can just stream someone from another team. So I was just yeah curious if you're interested in any of these LA guys, and it looks like probably not, which is fine. Maybe you want a defenseman. And Brian, you were telling me about how you like Sean Walker yeah. recently. He's been putting a ton of pucks on net, 24 shots in his last six games, and he's also decent for hits and blocks. So yeah, if you need perifs, he's like, uh, I, you know, I've been really into Connor Murphy recently on Chicago. So it's like another version of Connor Murphy, it looks like.
2: Yeah, that's a really good comparison. If I'm adding a king before campaign Carter, I'm adding Sean Walker. If his peripherals help me, it's strange. Usually these peripherals guys help you more in blocks than any other category, but that's actually Walker's least prolific category. He's got a lot of shots and a couple hits. And the blocks do come, uh, but not so consistently, not every night. So uh, I did actually, I was looking at adding him for the full. So I did, and I'm like, oh, LA is playing Vegas a couple times. Uh, that's not good for scoring. So another reason not to go Kempe or Carter, but that might be good for their defenseman. And I noticed that Walker, it does not pick up a lot of peripherals in his games against Vegas so far this season. So put as much... Uh, As much faith in those very small sample split stats about Sean Walker against Vegas this season as you like, (laughs) Uh, but I, I wouldn't recommend actually thinking too hard on it. If you need peripheral Sean Walker is a good bet with four games and someone who can slide into one of your defense slots.
1: Yeah, okay, and then another good schedule, another 4-3-4 is Colorado, who also have a stream of GAMI next week going Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, so you might be interested in looking to see what Colorado free agents are available out there. You're not going to find Rantanen or Landeskog or McKinnon, but that second line is out there in a lot of leagues. Brian, actually, last week in our Would You Rather episode, we debated Kadri versus Donskoy. Maybe that was just a total waste of time, because that matchup between them has been pretty dull so far. In the four games this week, uh, one assist for Kadri and no points for Donskoy so you win you you edge me out Brian by picking Kadri for your one measly assist that he picked up uh but still uh now is another week coming a good schedule four games if like Donskoy is out there I don't know I'm curious like Donskoy to me is like Kempe and you weren't into Kempe so I'd imagine you won't be into Donskoy but he's someone who has had some big games just like Kempe did earlier in the year it's a good schedule Donskoy's still on the top power play as far as I know uh, so is he someone you'd be interested? I guess like you could also look at, uh, I guess like a Brandon Saad, but he's been super quiet or Nachushkin. Like there are a bunch of sort of like lower level Colorado Avalanche players that are available in a lot of leagues. Obviously your higher end leagues, maybe even like Nazem Khadri is available because he's been cold. I'd imagine you'd take Kadri first, just like you said last week. But any thoughts on Don Skoy? Like, I'm just curious, is it, like Don Skoy versus Camp Bay is it like ex- pretty much the same or do you like Don Skoy more?
2: I guess I'll I'll take Don by a smidge just because of him being on that top power play and Kempe stopped shooting, which was the whole reason to go add Kempe to your roster. So I'll go Donskoy, but that's not to say I like Don this week any more than I did last week.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I like his schedule for next week, but yeah, it would be a swing, right? Uh, but and you're hoping that he could at least have one, all he needs is one game, like that hat trick that he had a couple weeks ago, and all of a sudden it's worth it. Even if does nothing the rest of them. All he needs
2: is one hat trick, the same way Colin Blackwell just needs two goals every four games. Yeah. It's possible.
1: I think I'd be more, uh, expecting Blackwell to produce than Donskoy. So for keeping a total ranking, I have, uh, Blackwell pretty high compared to uh, some of the other fringe guys we've brought up so far. I know you're mocking me and I'm taking it seriously, but that's just who I am. Uh, then I guess now I'll talk about Devin Dubnik, who got traded to the Avs. Uh, though interestingly, today, because the Avs have a back-to-back back and they play Jonas Johansson, who just had another good game. Johansson, 24 saves on 25 shots, and he also had that good game against St. Louis on Friday, where he stopped 25 of 27. So now it's all of a sudden interesting, where the Avs seem to have a backup that's doing okay, yet they've picked up another goal. On the other hand, it probably still makes sense, just because we saw what happened in the playoffs last year when both Grubauer and Fransos got injured, and then the Avs basically had to leave the playoffs, because they had to depend on Michael Hutchinson, who, in our pre-show, you were saying you actually kind of like Michael. Hutchinson compared to someone like a Devin Dubnik. So anyway, I don't know. Is there any fantasy relevance here? Because like Grubauer got blown up in a game recently. We'll see how he does tomorrow. I'd imagine Grubauer is going to get the majority of the starts. I don't even know who the backup is going to be now. And it probably doesn't matter. I'd hope for the avalanche that they shouldn't have to depend on the backup, whoever it is. And it's just to rest Grubauer sometimes.
2: Well, the Grubauer is certainly presenting as though he could use some rest. Grubauer is now 855 in his last Five games played, but of course, has won four of them anyway. So thanks, Colorado, for helping Philip Grubauer still pile up the wins with an 8.55 save percentage to show for it. And Grubauer has reason to be tired. He leads the league in games played, tied with Connor Hellebuck. And at this point, you wonder if Colorado really does need to start thinking about starting some other goalies just to get him some rest ahead of the playoffs. He's been working really hard and I just wouldn't want him to run out of steam. I'm sure Colorado feels the same way right when the games start to really matter. So I feel like Colorado's getting themselves into a standing position where they can be pretty comfortable and start guys like Jonas Johansson and Devin Dubnik and hope to still win. I mean, if you're winning with an 855 goalie behind you, then why not throw Devin Dubnik in there too as just somebody who can hold the fort while your goalie gets some rest and hopefully let the offense take the wheel and win some games regardless of whatever goaltending you're provided with.
1: I mean, is it fair to call him, uh, what was it, 850-something save percentage of his last like, he had one game where he led in seven goals on 18 shots. I think, like, the worst game I've ever seen in the history of the Kukupful. He had, like, negative seven Kukupful points on that day. Uh, so uh, that's a good reason maybe okay, for, but, to not look at save percentage, maybe look at quality start percentage, which I know hasn't been good also. Yeah.
2: The, the game before that, he was an 840. The game before mm-hmm. that, 964. The two that's games good. before that, 903 and 867. So no, it was not just that one game.
1: Yeah, but he wasn't he hasn't been he's been above eight fifty for all those other games at the very least. But yeah, I totally hear you. No, he Definitely.
2: hasn't. He had an eight forty in one of them. Oh, he's had ouch. three out of five games where he's been eight sixty seven or lower.
1: Well, so then I agree with you. They should rest him. What do you think about my general take that maybe we should not look as much into save percentage and instead just focus more on the quality start percentage? Yeah. I like that one. Me too. I'm it's gonna great. start next season. Let's just do quality start percentage as the first thing we say about goalies.
2: Okay, well, Philip Grubauer 66% quality start, but in his last five, 40% quality start. How about that?
1: Yeah, that definitely not what people are hoping for. Can you imagine if you had Grubauer and you were depending on him all year, and then this like game in the final week to get you into your playoffs, and then he drops this like, terrible game and well, blows it up for you? you?
2: Then you say, thanks for getting me all the way to the doorstep, and I should have been able to take it the rest of the way.
1: Yeah, I think it's impossible, though, to if you're in a categories league, and then your goalie blows up like that. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's the hard part about fantasy. I guess you could say just play with no goalies and then this kind of thing can't happen to you or someone could totally destroy you. Okay, so let's go next to Boston, another team that plays four, four, and three times. Uh, They had this big five-game week this past week, and so a lot of people were rushing, falling over themselves to get their different Bruins in anticipation of the five-game week. So far, like it hasn't worked out too well, right? People who rushed out to get Nick Ritchie, pointless in the four games uh, today. Boston's, oh no, Boston's losing six to one to Washington right now. And uh, Craig Smith, Jake DeBrusque, and Charlie Coyle with the only points so far in this game. So that means Nick Ritchie, pointless in all five so far. David Krejci, pointless this week. Craig Smith is the one that if you reached out to get Eddie Bruin, you're hoping you got Craig Smith because he had one goal in four assists in four games, then another power play goal today, and he's actually been playing on the top line with Martian and Bergeron a bit. With the Bruins trying to mix things up with Pasternak on the second. Line. we'll obviously see how things shake out maybe boston's still in the hunt for taylor hall by the time you listen to this maybe they'll have him or someone else at the trade deadline but yeah going into next week the bruins still have a good schedule are you into any of these guys still your Richie's crachies or craig smith if you streamed them in for this past week and they did nothing for you do you hold on or is it like i don't even care if they have a good schedule i'm done with nick ritchie and david crachie
0: well
2: you can't lump in the cheese with craig smith right crachie and yeah. richie who, who did let you down And unfortunately, they did. But honestly, I think that was just a one-week thing. I think you can look to next week. Krejci was great the week before. So I think he's probably capable of doing that any given week. Not every given week, but any given week. And same goes for Nick Ritchie. But props to Craig Smith for really delivering last week. Smith is on a really nice run. He's the Smith I prefer between Craig and Riley, One and Mike even. Uh, okay, sorry. I'll take that back because you, you're already on me about me never giving Mike Smith credit for the good he does. Uh, Craig Smith, one goal and nine assists. In his last seven games, that's 10 points. And he's averaging two shots per game. And we know Craig Smith is like this journeyman, third wheel guy. You know how long I liked him in Nashville for. And every time, which was often, that he'd end up on the top line. He's like, yeah, why don't you try out Craig Smith? And it worked more often than not. And this year, it's finally working now that he's getting some good opportunity in Boston. I'm really happy to see him there and see him cashing in. I'm not surprised that Craig Smith is cashing in from the spot he's in. And I kind of hope it continues. Like Boston, we've talked about so many times how they might want to split up their top two lines. And then they never end up actually doing it because that top line is just so dominant that they don't need any other lines. But this time, this feels like one of the longest stretches the Bruins have gone without having Marchand, Bergeron, and Pasternak all together as a trio.
1: Yeah, so are you saying then for next week, if you had added Nick Ritchie, in one of my leagues, I added Nick Ritchie, I still have him. If Craig Smith is available, should I make that swap? Or should I just hold on to Ritchie? Ritchie's the one on the top power play.
2: Yeah, it's a tough one. I think I would probably stick with Ritchie because not, of course, not all of what Craig Smith is doing is sustainable. But it would be close. I would stick with Ritchie, though.
1: Okay, I think I agree. And then obviously the Bruins are struggling right now, partially because they're starting to lose all their defensemen, right? Charlie McAvoy has been injured. Apparently he might be back next week, though. So hopefully that'll figure that out. Matt Grizzlick sustained an upper body injury versus Philly on Saturday. Boston went with uh, five forwards on the power play in Saturday's game. Actually, let's check and see on uh, Frozen Tools what the power play's been today. Uh, no, so they've had Jack... Who's this? Jack Akan has been quarterbacking the top power play for the Bruins today so I, I'd imagine that won't last because McAvoy's is coming back soon but yeah it's been tough for them apparently oh and Shams is saying or no K-Towney in the chat here is saying that Zboril also got injured today so the Bruins are having a tough time plus both of their goalies are injured right Tuka Rask it has been out for a while and Halak's on the COVID protocol Jeremy Swayman came in and actually had two great games versus Philly and Washington then he had three goals against on 23 shots in the loss to Philly on saturday today dan vladar is playing and he's been totally blown up uh yeah. so now going into next week i guess i'd imagine Tuka Rask might come back until he is jeremy swayman could be an interesting option, though at the same time, the Bruins have no defense and they just let in six goals. So how what's your interest level on Jeremy Swam? Like Brian, actually in our joint league, the Fantasy Hockey Trades Invitational, where we went lossless the whole season through. We're going into the playoffs with a perfect record. So I'm very that, excited that about that.
2: Way, lossless sounds way less impressive than undefeated.
1: Undefeated. Okay, let's say undefeated then. We're undefeated. We've got the bye. Hopefully we won't now like blow it in the semifinals after winning every single regular season game. Anyways, we have room to add a goalie, and Swayman is out there, but so are some other, you know, like regular options. That are like always out there, like Allmark, Martin Jones, Blackwood. Is like just Swayman like another guy the same as them, or does he go higher because he's on the Bruins and has that potential to be the starter on the Bruins if Frask end up staying hurt longer?
2: Well, the latest on Tuka Rask before we get too far on this is that he could play Tuesday or Thursday. So uh, this is not necessarily a long term look for Jeremy Swayman if you're adding him, although the Bruins, I don't think, would mind having someone to trade off games with Tuka Rask the same way that halak was doing most of the season if swayman proves himself to be up to the task then why wouldn't they use him as a yarrow halak heck he's been better than halak this year as you mentioned 929 over his three games so far this season and playing in providence of the ahl his first taste of being a pro the 22 year old had a 933 save percentage so his pro career is off to a very very good start And I would look to him if you're in a league where you don't need a ton of volume, but you'll be happy to take some rates. I'd find it very hard to believe that Swayman won't see at least one game a week and could see two
1: okay so yes, yeah, someone definitely to look at and also Tuka Rask, Yeah, he'll be back but let's see how he does and if he's fully healed obviously you have to be a little nervous about a goalie who's been gone for so long so definitely something to keep our eye on Brian by the way uh P.K. Subban we have a gift we should sell this service we call out a player who's cold and he starts to score that's why I think Riley Smith is a good ad right now because we brought him up on this show which means he's about to go off but yeah P.K. Subban scored a goal so good for him all right so another 4-4-3 team again we're talking looking at schedules and Buffalo Sabres play four times four times and then three times you might think i don't care i don't want any buffalo Sabres players no thank you especially you'd think now they've traded eric stahl they've traded montour hall's gonna be gone soon and yet with all the turmoil like, first of all rasmus Dalin is on a four game point streak going into today which is like he was cold all season and all it took was like all the players leaving and then Dalin finally got hot uh he no points today though unfortunately buffalo won again oh buffalo look at buffalo all of a sudden they won 5-3 over philly so maybe it's not the toughest competition but still linus allmark has a winning record on the season allmark like you would have thought like now he came back i think we even had this conversation right brian where you were like should people grab allmark now that he's back from his injury and you were like well yeah he's gonna put up good rates but don't expect many wins he's like winning more than he loses maybe that's more just a function of who he's been playing lately but man i'm very impressed with linus allmark maybe he's our option in the fantasy hockey trades league but anyways uh so dalin is finally getting hot and also here's a really deep cut I definitely didn't expect to say this this season but Casey Middlestat only 1% rostered on Yahoo has six points in his last six games going into today and he scored another goal today so make that seven points wow Casey middlestat out of nowhere producing is there any chance that the 2017 eighth overall pick is finally breaking out for real and people should go grab
2: him so some context to Casey Middlestat's goal today is that it was into an empty net, which is good. He was out on the ice in that situation, I guess being rewarded for his recent play, but it was not a, necessarily a skill goal. Uh, Middlestat now, well, going into tonight, had five goals on his last 11 shots. So kind of like a Colin Blackwell, whereas, yeah, all these goals are kind of coming and he's someone who we've seen glimpses from before, but it's really unsustainable and I don't expect it to continue the way it has been like you're asking me about Casey Middlestat you might as well be asking me about his line mate Rasmus Asplund who has five points in his last eight games and I'm just checking the box score now uh, I don't think Asplund did get on the score sheet but no you he did he scored a goal oh there you go so uh, I am as equally as into Middleset as I am Rasmus Asplund. Really? E- yeah. Middlestat
1: has the pedigree. He played more minutes today. Middlestat played sixteen <laughs> minutes and twelve seconds, okay. and he got top power play. Rasmus Asplund didn't get okay. any power play time. Yeah.
2: Okay. Fine. So you caught me. I'm being a little cheeky, a little <laughs> glib, and maybe I it, uh, thank you for clarifying. It backfired, I, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you got me. Uh, but it's good to clarify. Yes, I like Middleset more than Asplund, but I don't love either option, Elon. You might get mad at me for saying this, but I'm looking at the box Uh, score today. Are you
1: going to tell me that Linus Allmark actually isn't that good?
2: No, I'm going to tell you that Jeff Skinner had a goal and an assist. And according to his coach, he was smiling and feeling good out there. And it was nice to see. I'm not mad.
1: If anything, yeah, you'd expect Skinner should be doing better. He's on the top line. He's playing with Olofsson and Reinhardt. So I guess it's Skinner. Are we going to recommend? I mean, Buffalo has a good schedule. I hate to do this because every time we do it, people get mad at us because he does nothing.
2: I think we are in a place where we can, in good faith, recommend Jeff Skinner. He's up to eight shots in his last three games, has two goals and a point in those three games, and uh, is seeing... 18 minutes for the first time. I'm just scrolling through his game log, seeing 18 minutes a night for the first time all season long. So he's in a place where maybe he can actually start to do a little something, something for the, I, I you know what? I'm not even going to mention his contract. I feel bad for him. I, I don't cause he's making all that money, yeah. uh, but it's, it's like it's attached to him. Just go out, have some fun, score some points, maybe for people's fantasy teams. So uh, Jeff Skinner, the one thing I would love more than him just playing with Olsen and Reinhardt at even strength, is for him to actually show up on the top power play, which means he would need to bump, I guess, Middlestat is the only, because they're going um, three forwards 2D. They've got Ristolainen and Dalene playing uh, on the top unit. So I guess I can't be too excited about Skinner until he's on the top power play, but maybe like a Galchenyuk type In the meantime, and then speaking of Rasmus Stalin, I will mention going into tonight, he had just a single shot in five of his last six games. So even though the points are coming, I still don't see the full Rasmus Dalin experience having returned. But what has returned is his teammate's ability to shoot the puck. They're scoring, finally, which has not been the case this year. Dahlin's line mates have scored on 5% of their shots at 5-on-5 five five this year, which is uh, very bad. Usually you would expect around 8 or 9%. And it seems overall, like the coaching change has had a positive effect on the team, right? They beat Philly today, Allmark's playing well. Sure, they're sending players at the door. But now it's just like, I feel like everyone in Buffalo is just taking a deep breath. And maybe no one's going to blow the doors off in terms of production. But there's at least some renewed ability to put up points. So Rasmus Daldin is getting in on that. Hopefully Jeff Skinner can get in on that too. And Casey yeah, and, Middlestad, of and course. And Casey Middlestad, let's of give course. him some. Yeah,
1: I, I just assumed we've given up on Skinner, but you're right. Yeah, he's someone to look at. And I guess if you've got Olafson or Reinhardt out there they're getting they get to play boston next week to start the week so you know they just let in seven goals maybe they're ripe for another blow up okay now maybe a more exciting team also playing four four and three. Ten games over the next three weeks uh, two of the weeks being four game weeks to toronto maple leafs and man huge game for austin matthews on saturday he scored a hat trick contributed an assist catapulting to a huge lead in the rocket richard race matthews now has 31 goals in 38 games well ahead of mcdavid and ranton's 23 it's a 67 goal pace so just an insane season for austin matthews I'm really curious to see what his adp will look like next season like i'd imagine in most leagues mcdavid goes first so i'll bet you there will be quite a few leagues where matthews gets drafted first and then i'll be interested to see who goes second like i matthews versus mckinnon seems like a real coin flip to me at this point
2: and matthews versus pasternak too who would yeah. usually go before him
1: Yeah, so uh, Matthews just, you know, he's already been awesome and now he's taken another step forward, so good for him. Obviously, uh, Mitch Marner also did well on his line. Four points for him. And then the big beneficiary of being able to play with Matthews and Marner right now has been Alex Galchenyuk, who just brought up. He's now playing on a line with those guys. He picked up two assists on Saturday, along with three shots on goal. So, Brian, the Leafs you know play four games in each of the next two weeks. They have this great schedule. Alex Galchenyuk is playing with maybe two of the best players in the league right now, so I guess we have to recommend Alex Galchenyuk. Plus, the Leafs play Monday, Tuesday next week. So you can even just take our advice from Monday, Tuesday and reassess from there. I don't see how you can leave him in free agency if you're holding like a New York Islanders player who doesn't even play till Thursday of next week.
2: Yeah, which is exactly what I did. I dropped Kyle Palmieri, who by the way has a power play goal tonight. I guess we'll we'll get to that uh, for Alex Galchenyuk, and I'm not sad about it. I'll get two games early in the week, and then I can cut ties. Galchenyuk hasn't done much, but in the last little while, Galchenyuk has been doing stuff, of course, because the Toronto Maple Leafs fixed him as we've seen uh, in the article that's been tweeted about a thousand times over the last two weeks. uh, The Leafs found the key to unlocking the true Alex Galchenyuk, which is great. I don't even care. Like, great. I I I hope they truly did. Galchenyuk now has 10 shots in his last four games, three or more shots in three of those last four. He had none in one in the other one, but line one power play two, great exposure to Matthews and Marner and absolutely worth a stream for monday and tuesday like that's just an easy way to get two games in the first two days and then again you can move on pretty quick if you're not liking what you're seeing
1: yeah, and then I guess long-term, the Leafs did acquire Nick Felino today in a trade from Columbus, so maybe Nick Felino will end up getting a shot on that top line, but you know, there's all this quarantine stuff going on. It's going to be a little while before Felino gets in the lineup, so I guess focus on, you know, Galchenyuk for now while he's in that good spot, and I don't know, my general take, I don't know if you disagree, like, I kind of feel like Felino would fit in well as like a bottom six guy on the Leafs, yeah. just like a, you know, a minute muncher that like plays the tough minutes I don't like defensively so I wouldn't expect much from him but obviously if he gets a shot to bump Galchenyuk and play with Matthews and Marner then obviously that would be huge
2: yeah I could see Felino slotting in where like Alexander Barabanov is right now with Pierre Engval and Wayne Simmons is a, a hard to play against line three that seems where Felino could be used although there is a shot I mean right now the lines are a little out of whack because Neilander is out of course but you've got Tavares Hyman and Mikhaev and maybe Felino can even slot in there. But again, you're looking mid-six at best for Nick Felino, plus a long wait before he can actually join the team and play. So nothing to get uh, overly excited about at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say mid-six at best. I think top line with Matthews and Marner at best. It's possible. They've put a lot of people there, but we'll have to wait and see what happens. I don't think that Alex Galchenyuk is like so... Just because they fixed him, I don't think he's like cemented there (laughs) at this point.
2: Fair, fair, fair.
1: Yeah, it's a long wait. Okay, so next up, another good schedule. We're still on teams that are playing 10 times over these next three weeks. Two four-game weeks and then one three-game week. Tampa Bay Lightning go three, four, and four. So next week isn't the best schedule for Tampa, but if you hold on through that, you're getting a couple good weeks to end your playoffs if you don't get eliminated, of course. Unfortunately, things aren't looking that great in Tampa right now because Steven Stamkos was hurt in Thursday's six four win over Columbus. He didn't play Saturday. Apparently, he'll get reevaluated soon. Uh, like they're going back to Tampa. John Cooper said he's hoping that this isn't a long term injury. I'm not sure what hoping means. Like uh, hopefully, when they say hoping, <laughs> like obviously they're hoping that, right? So I feel like I know a lot of people like to make fun. I think there was another quote that I posted once that someone was hoping that a COVID test was going to be a false positive, and it did turn out to be a false positive. So whenever I read like hoping in one of these rotowire or I should say NBC Sports Edge updates. I assume it's like an educated hope. Like, it's kind of like from what we are expecting, we don't think it'll be a long term injury. And they're just using the word hoping. So, I don't know. Maybe this is just me hoping because I have Stamkos in a couple of my leagues. Anyway, so the lines for the 3 0 win over National on Saturday, because of course, Tampa still was able to pull out a win even without Stamkos and Kucherov. Uh, So, they were running Palat with point and Anthony Sorelli. And then Coleman, gourd Goudreau, Tyler Johnson with Killorn and Matthew Joseph. And then this guy, Ross Colton, wasn't even really on a line. He was like just jumping around a bit into those (laughs) other lines. And you would think well whatever so obviously of all these people i've just mentioned probably the least interesting is ross colton but no who who tf is this guy he scored in five of his last six games now another connor brown he's like a blackwell or a connor brown now we haven't even talked about connor brown yet but is there any chance this is for real and ross colton is someone people should consider grabbing at this point like i can't I have to at least bring him up even though i know you're going to swat him away
2: well, I'm going to remind you that this is not the first time. I don't know if you remember. It's not the first time we've brought Ross Colton up on keeping Carlson. We brought him up a few weeks ago when we were talking about Carter Verhaeg as being uh, sort of the the next in line from Jonathan Marchessault as these fourth line Tampa players who can suddenly show up in a top six and be really quality uh, top six players or at least complimentary players and add Ross Colton to the or we named him as someone to keep your eye on as the next guy who could somehow find his way there. I was not actually expecting uh, to see any production from Colton since then. I'm not going to go very far with the way he's been producing. Uh, It's been a really lovely run, but five goals on his last 11 shots. uh, That's exactly what uh, Middlestat had going into today. And I feel even less interested in Colton than I do Middlestat. So really lovely, but don't expect it to last. And Colton's still just playing these... Like you said, Elon, he's not even on a line. Uh, He's been under 10 minutes in three of his last five games, even though he's been scoring these goals.
1: Yeah, so obviously you could say it is possible that scoring these goals will increase his potential to get more minutes like maybe he's earning more time but yeah i'd wait for that to happen before getting too bought in i would still add like an anthony sorelli or even a yanni gourd even though they're colder over a ross cold i know some people don't agree with that and they would just go with the hot hand but i would take the person on a more of a scoring line
2: yeah oh for sure i would take anthony sorelli who by the way just continues to confuse right did you know it's possible to be in tampa's top six and have a bad on-ice shooting percentage. Anthony Sorelli knows this because his on-ice shooting percentage in Tampa with high-end scorers is below 7% compared to that compared to where it's been in the previous years in the 9 to 10% range for Sorelli. I don't know that Sorelli has even had a year before with more consistent quality opportunity than he has this year, and yet here we are, Sorelli's pointless in nine, just barely hanging on to a 50-point pace, uh, I, I hope for more I would definitely take him over Ross Colton who Mason in the chat has mentioned is lost Colton if you pick him up
1: oh harsh I know you like that Brian yeah uh I did. yeah I would say if you have Sorelli you have my permission to maybe you could drop him for this coming week because Tampa has a bad schedule and then just get ready to add him back for the final two weeks when Tampa has a better schedule and I think or or someone else if you see a better option out there but I don't think you need to hold sorelli right now for a week's schedule especially if Stamkos is going to be out and obviously now that I said that watch him like go off but I'd rather have well, let me say Riley Smith for his four off day games rather than Anthony Sorelli for next week okay let's go to now Dallas another 10 game team in the next three weeks they go three four and four only one off day game in each of those three weeks so that's where they're ranking lower in terms of all these 10 game teams still uh Dallas is I don't know I'm curious to get your thoughts on Dallas right now because they have a top line that's just scorching right Jason Robertson Rupe Hansen, Joe Pavelski have they've been doing that they listened to keeping Carlson and they were like I know this Brian Com doesn't have faith in us, so we're going to make him pay. And yeah, so they've been producing big time. Like, hints, six points in the last two games. He has 30... Rupe hints has 30 points in 28 games. Like, all the people who have held him and, you know, like, he kept on going day-to-day and not day-to-day and, like, game-time decisions. So we, I think we even recommended at one point that people should just drop him if it's, like, too yeah. annoying. But was, like, that would have been a mistake, right? Because even if you just left him on your bench for those games that he didn't play, I think overall you're still happy to get those 30 points that he's produced if you've been able to get all of them throughout the season... Uh, Yeah. And then you've got Pavelski's Pavelski. He's fine. Uh, Like he's really good, clearly. And then Jason Robertson. Brian, he's scored another two goals on Saturday in the 4-1 win over Florida, which brought him to 27 points in 34 games on the season for a 65-point pace. I've been thinking it's a runaway for Kirill Kaprizov to win the Calder, but I think he's got some competition, right? Like Kaprizov sits at 34 points in 40 games for a 70-point pace. Robertson has been closing this gap lately. Right now at a 65-point pace and he's played fewer games. How good is this Jason Robertson? Why is it every year there's a new player on Dallas for us to be like, who is this guy? How is he so good? I know he has a decent draft pedigree. He's reminding me now of like someone like a Fiala or Bjorkstrand from last year. I remember like going into the year, like I didn't expect much. Maybe they didn't start like so scorching. And then by this point of the season, every single game that Minnesota or Columbus played, you like knew that Fiala or Bjorkstrand were going to do something. And it feels that way now with Jason Robertson. Uh, Sam, I'm curious to like, what's your take on him? Like if we have to project him for next year now, like what are we going to put? Are we just going to have to plop down 70
2: Well, like Ross Colton, Elon, Jason Robertson is someone who made an appearance early on on the show this season. We first mentioned Jason Robertson back on February 22nd when he had just about 10 NHL games to his name, including three from the previous season. He was still playing on the fourth line, but Robertson had gotten on a five-game point streak and he stayed on the fourth line for a little bit after we mentioned him. But then he got a bump up into the top six and has been, like you said, on fire ever since. Basically a point-per-game player since he was moved up to the top end of the depth chart on a nightly basis. Jason Robertson has nine goals and 12 assists in his last 26 games, two and a half shots per game. And get this, Elon, because you said how I I discount and write off every Dallas Stars production, but it's because of that power play. I swear, it's just because of that power play, and I make that point every time, and I don't want to repeat myself too much about it, And thankfully, I don't need to when I talk about Jason Robertson, who only has three power play points. He's doing this all at even strength. And maybe his variance is a touch high, but it's not that high. Like maybe Jason Robertson isn't a 70 point player, but I think he's a 60, 65 point player. And that's just this year. I'm really excited about how much more we might get to see from him in the years to come. And like you said, he's made himself unignorable in the Calder Trophy race, especially with the waves he's making lately. Seven goals on his last 32 shots over 10 games. It's not a totally insane shooting percentage. It's high, but it's not totally insane. And he's 32 shots over 10 games, which is fantastic. And unlike Rupe Hintz and Joe Pavelski, has not been overly reliant on that power play. Speaking of which, Rupe Hintz, congratulations, he's played five consecutive games now. So hopefully those days of going day-to-day are behind us. But he scored 60 power play points this season, which has helped pad his totals. And part of that is because while he's on the ice on the power play, Dallas has scored on a quarter of their shots. Yes, one out of every four power play shots with Rupe hints on the ice has beaten the goalie this season, which is great. I'm not taking anything away from Rupe Hintz. He's got 16 power play points. That's something to celebrate, but that's in 29 games which would mean in a full season, he'd be pacing for something like 45 power play points, which is just not like, I don't need to tell you that's not sustainable. So he's having a great season. I hope you did hold on to him. But I also, Elon, you know how I'm going to end this. If he goes cold, and it's possible he goes cold, I wouldn't. Uh, that's nuts. I, yeah, I would hold Jason Robertson. I I would commit to holding the rest of this season. Rube hints I would not commit to holding the rest of the season
1: okay I want to distance myself from Brian's take here <laughs>
2: like just because it's not sustainable like he's over a point per game I, we
1: have this conversation all the time right like when you see yeah. a player that's doing really well you say it's not sustainable then you assume okay that means he's not going to be good but like to me I think of, like he could still like go down in that power play points per game by like quite a bit and still be like a 60 65 point player which is definitely worth rostering in most leagues right now he's above a point per game so there's a lot of room be, to fall
2: yeah I don't think he'd be a 60 65 point player I like he's two even strength points in his last i don't know seven games
1: yeah i guess to me also you know me like i'm even into these players who are not getting points at least they're in a good spot right now hints is playing For on sure. the top line in the top power play so i'm not gonna drop yeah, him okay
2: i'm being <laughs> extreme here i'm saying yeah, okay. i prefer robertson to hints hints is probably a season long hold i'm not okay. saying drop him i'm just saying if i were to commit i'm ready to commit to jason robertson like i've never committed to a dallas star before
1: Okay, I am definitely with you there. And I'd say, yeah, even with that, uh, you know, only three games next week, then they're going to have those two four-game weeks. And that middle week, the semifinals, if your playoffs start next week, Detroit, 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 Detroit. Four games against Detroit for Dallas. And not next week, but the week after. So you'd think that could be a recipe for a lot of goals. And that's, of course, Jonathan Bernier <laughs> turns it on again, as I know Brian thinks he might be able to at some point. But we'll get to him in a little bit. Let's go now to Carolina. We've got three more teams here that go with uh, 10 games, 3-4-4 four, and four over these next uh, three weeks. Uh, so let's start uh, with Carolina. I'm curious, Brian, I guess just a quick take on Carolina. Jordan Stahl is having this great season, right? Like, And I feel like he's someone we talk about every year. He goes hot for a while, then he gets cold. He was super hot early. You correctly predicted that it wouldn't last. But after his goal versus Detroit on Saturday, he now has three goals in his last three games. Doesn't seem to be relinquishing that top power play spot. I'm very surprised. I would have felt like Martin Nechas would have eventually taken that spot back. But so far, no. Uh, Nechas has been fine, by the way. He had his goal and assist in each of his last couple of games. You can't complain too much. He was cold for a while before these last couple of good games but yeah what do you think about jordan saw has he actually like gotten better or has he just ridden like too much high variance because it's weird for him to be having one of his best seasons so late in his career after being such a steady 40 45 point guy
2: you just answered your own question right he's 32 years old uh, he's shooting 17 percent this season that's not the only piece of variance going his way that power play role is big for him 11 power play points in 38 games actually gives him uh, his second highest total of his career, and that's in half a season, uh, his career high is 12 power play points in 79 games. So that's definitely helping Jordan Stahl push up past being that 45, 50-point player that we've been so used to seeing him be. Uh, but I think like 55-ish points, so long as he's on the top power play, is a not an unreasonable expectation. It's not that far below the current pace he's on at 63 points. Like I mentioned, his high shooting percentage at 17%. Uh, That's because a lot of his converting is happening on the power play. Five of his 13 goals, which means it's forgivable for him to have a a higher shooting percentage than usual because he's taking higher percentage shots. So way to go, Jordan Stahl, for hitting a new level of fantasy relevance at age 32. I don't think he's become a much better player, but it's nice to see that he's found a role that he's flourishing in that for some reason uh, he wasn't really put in for (laughs) much of the last a uh, near decade with Carolina
1: yeah, I guess like Tara Vinan has been injured for all the years. So I'd imagine yeah. maybe Tara Vinen would be the one bumping Stahl from the top power play if he was healthy. But hey, uh, his loss, uh, Stahl's gain, and you're enjoying him if you picked him up in fantasy. Like, you know, he was hot at the start of the year. Then eventually he got dropped. And probably a lot of people thought, even if he gets hot again, I'm not going to grab him because I already saw what happened before. But if you grabbed him, you're probably happy to have him going into your fantasy playoffs. Uh, so then we have, oh, by the way, one quick thing about Dallas. I didn't bring it up. I think we talked about it in our like pre show. Uh, this Tyler Sagan and Ben Bishop news is kind of like weird, right? Like, there was news earlier in this week saying that both. These guys were going to skate with the taxi squad on Saturday, which made me think, wow, Sagan and Bishop may be back like really soon, like maybe even next week. But then I saw a tweet from Mike Haka yesterday basically saying, like, Rick Bona said, Anton Hudobin is in goal today versus the Panthers. Jason Sickinson and Joel Hanley are getting close. Joel Kiviranta still in a boot. Radulov, Sagan, and Bishop not close yet. So not close yet for Radulov, Sagan, and Bishop so okay I guess they're not close so uh, you know jokes on me for thinking when I saw this message that they were going to be skating soon that meant they were close so it might still be a while for those guys just to wrap up the discussion on Dallas uh let's go to Florida now with another 10 games in their next three weeks uh they've made a couple acquisitions recently first of all they got Brandon Montour from the Sabres for a third round pick Montour's actually been on a bit of a run with the Sabres recently five points his last seven games Brian I'm sure you remember there was a time when Montour was still on Anaheim that we were talking about him as a potentially like valuable guy in fantasy maybe the next up and coming big offensive contributor on the Ducks who didn't seem like they had too much competition you know Cam Fowler's still there I guess is the main power play defenseman on the team and his mantra has kind of gone quiet since he's gone to Buffalo but like I said hot recently and meanwhile like Keith Yandel has been on like not a run the exact opposite of that he's pointless in his last five games even with all the power play time he eats up I'm gonna so,
2: inter- I'm gonna interrupt you before you me. ask the question no
1: so forget about Mantour yeah All right, and what about Yandel? Do you hold on to Yandel even though he's done nothing just because he gets all that power play time?
2: He's always been such a hard guy to hang on to when he's not putting up power play points because he really doesn't do much of anything else. Uh, At least, uh, like, he once... Uh, Once upon a time in his career, Keith Yandel was a shooter. He's not getting enough five-on-five time to be a shooter now, but he's still seeing a a huge, huge proportion of Florida's power play minutes. So, yeah, I think you do just hold and wait for that power play to bounce back. Keep in mind, Barkov was out for a while, and Ekblad's been out, too. So I, I think there's adjustments happening in Florida. Barkov's back now, obviously, which is great. And that might have stunted Yandel's production for a short period of time. I think you just have to hold, unless you have some really great options in free agency to replace him with, I'd probably just hang on since D are generally scarce at this time of year.
1: Yeah, who was the guy on LA? Oh yeah, Sean Walker. Maybe if if you're in a league that's a multi-category league, maybe you do need to consider swapping a Yandel for Sean Walker, like knowing that you're losing probably assists and power play points, but you might be getting like shots, hits, and blocks, so maybe that trade-off is worth it.
2: What do you think of Subban versus Yandel?
1: I mean... I mean, I'm not that into Yandel. I don't know. It's tough, right? I guess. And Tell that's me a, a points
2: answer and a cat categories answer.
1: I don't know. I guess it's hard for me. I know Suban just scored today, but I'm kind of getting over him. So I guess I'll still take Yandel. But the answer might be neither. I might want yeah. someone who's been a bit, little more steady lately.
2: Yeah, for sure. Shams in the chat mentioned he dropped Keith Yandel for Braden McNabb and isn't feeling bad at all about it. And if you want at least two blocks a game and as many as four and a handful of hits... Then Braden McNab, another Vegas Golden Knight that you might be interested in.
1: Yeah, and I know that you poo pooed it right away, but I'm just going to say, like, Brandon Montour has a lot more points than Keith Yandel over these past seven games, but obviously that could just be a small sample size. I'll be interested to at least see how things play out over there. Uh, by the way, also on the Panthers, they just signed Nikita Gusev out of New Jersey for a million bucks. So he's, I'd imagine, definitely worth watching to see if he can crack the top six. Like, I don't think they signed him to be, like, a bottom sixer who will really play right player at least, at least, like, not at first. Like, I can imagine they'd want to give him a shot. Like, right now it's been Mason Marchmont playing on the top line with Barkov and Verhage and I know that Anthony DuClair might be. Back soon, but we already saw him getting bumped around. So I wonder if maybe that's like a nice slot for Gusev to potentially slide into for a shot to play with Barkov. That would be pretty sweet. So he's someone, he's NA eligible, I believe, right now on Yahoo. So if you could just stash him in an NA spot and wait, I'd be interested to see what Gusev can do. I'm not going to go crazy about him like I used to, but I still think he has potential.
2: Kind of like where Galchenyuk was a couple weeks ago, where yeah. Galchenyuk was NA and rumored to be in line for that top line and even top power play deployment. And you could just have him in NA for a couple games and see where that goes. And I'd say the same for Gusev, who I don't think had a fair shake in New Jersey this season. Remember, Gusev was a really fantastic producer in the KHL. Then last year... Gusev co-led the Devils in scoring with Kyle Palmieri. He's on a 55-point pace, which for that New Jersey Devils team was pretty good. And this season just could not get on Lindy Ruff's good side. His deployment was all over the place, Uh, never had consistent opportunity to produce. And even when he had any opportunity at all, things were not going well for Nikita Gusev. His own shooting percentage was down below 5%. And his teammate shooting percentage with Gusev on the ice, 2% at 5-on-5, five five, which is as, as low as it gets. Find me a player who's shooting percentage even over 20 games, which is what Gusev played in New Jersey, whose online shooting percentage at 5-on-5 five five is less than 2%. Uh, it's very rare. So Gusev now has a chance at a fresh start And there is a spot next to Barkov, currently occupied by Mason Marchment, that Nikita Gosev could very well step into. Although another piece of that puzzle to keep an eye on is Anthony Duclair, who has been injured, but the latest update is that there's a chance he's back on Tuesday. So a couple shifting pieces there. Also, Duclair, who's had a really rough season in terms of shooting percentage and luck, uh, he could be a really great pickup if he does land next to Barkov. So I just keep an eye on who gets to play with Barkov and Verhegi in the next couple games and say I want him on my roster at least for a short test run.
1: Yeah, so Florida plays three games next week, so maybe you're not so into them, but then four games and four games to end. So maybe right now, stash Goose stash Duclair if you have spots, and then you could maybe reactivate one of them onto your roster when Florida has those good schedules in the semis and the finals. Okay, so Detroit also goes three, four, and four over these next three weeks. Uh, I'll just mention a name. We've already talked about him a bit, but like Adam Ernie keeps producing, right? He had another big week since we mentioned him last week. His point streak is now at six games after his goal in the 5-4 win over Carolina on Saturday. By the way, Detroit beat Carolina, 5-4 who would have expected that uh so ernie obviously i don't know he's on the top power play so he's he's got and he's producing now so maybe he's someone to look at though with only three games next week maybe it's like if he's still keeping it up then maybe you add him for those four and four games to end this the season uh then brian your guy jonathan bernier finally returned from his injury on thursday and things did not go well he let in seven goals on 32 shots and a 7-1 loss to nashville i can't believe they left him in the net Do you know the backstory to that? Why did they pull him?
2: No, I don't know. I was also just waiting for the mercy pull, especially having just come back from injury, and especially because there's rumors that he's on the trade market. I don't know what there was to gain from leaving him in for that touchdown.
1: Yeah. Anyways, and Thomas Grice got the win on Saturday for the wings, even though he led in four goals. Before that, he was on a nice run of five straight games with a like a decent save percentage, like over like 917. Ever like basically Thomas Grice saw how Blashill put in Calvin Pickard for a back to back when he could have played Grice for one of those games. He was like so insulted that he was like, okay, let me pick this up finally. And since then Grice has been good. So are we at a point now, like uh, assuming Bernier doesn't get traded, let's say like are we just, should we just assume we're looking at the Grice Bernier tandem we were expecting at the start of the season, essentially killing Bernier's fantasy value beyond a stream? Or do you think this is still going to be what was happening before, where Bernier is going to play like, a crap load for the rest of the way and Grice will only get in on back-to-backs?
2: I mean, it is an assumption that Grice will continue to be consistently playable and Bernier will be consistently awful just based on their recent games. Although, yeah, Grice has been doing well for a little while now. Last couple weeks, 929 in his last six games and on a Detroit team that does rely pretty heavily on their goaltending. So yeah, I think Bernier has become a less interesting fantasy hold for me and uh, like as no longer a 1 or 1A type player. And I think it is safe to assume that he's in a timeshare until further notice, which I mean, the trade deadline will be happening or will have happened by the time most people listen to this episode. So we'll have more information on what to expect from the Detroit crease the rest of the year after that.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Like, who knows? Maybe he'd go on another run. But for now, I'm like not as interested in Bernier. Like, I held him in my IR the whole time he was injured. And I was like, I'm glad I didn't activate him, obviously, for the seven goals against game. He's still in my IR now. I actually have a bye, Brian, for next week in the Cucufo, so I could leave him there for a week and see what happens. By the way, shout out to Tom Crowhurst. You're the best. I needed Tom to beat Marcus from the stat attack in order for me to have the opportunity to earn that bye. And Tom came through. You're the best like uh whatever you need anytime just message me and I'll, I'll, I'll help you out but okay like not in terms of collusion obviously i mean like i'll send you a gift basket or something okay so brian uh next up so we're done with teams going three four and four no response don't you
2: want to also give kudos to tom he helped us out way to Hel- go tom <laughs> helped us i mean we're friends so don't you doesn't it make you feel good when it's someone true. helps me out <laughs> your happiness is my happiness
1: so thanks tom <laughs> okay, so Anaheim uh, also plays 10 games over these next three weeks, but I'm giving them... I don't know, actually, if this is better or worse. They go four times next week, but then only two times in the semis and then four times in the finals. So, I don't know. Is that good? Is that That's good for next week. Then, obviously, you're going to drop all your ducks for the following week. Regardless, there's not many ducks to consider anyways, but Ricard Raquel did return from his upper body injury on Friday. He had five shots in the 2-0 loss to Colorado. And then Anaheim played today. Colorado beat them 4-1, and I'm just loading it up now. And Ricard Raquel did not get any points and only one shot this time. So that's a bit of a bummer. And I don't know. So I guess he's a fringe guy to add. And then he's been playing on the line with Max Comtois. So like he's a potentially guy to add because he's playing with Raquel. Though I don't know if, even if Raquel is like so especially exciting. But Anaheim does have a good schedule next week four times all on off day games just like those other teams i mentioned before against san jose twice and then vegas twice so i don't know any interest in streaming in an anaheim guy like if raquel's out there would you look at him or are you at a point where anaheim they barely score
2: well raquel is the same it's so frustrating because he still is shooting And he still fails to score on so many of his shots. Just one goal in 11 games. And that's on his last 29 shots. And that was after we thought that he had finally taken the monkey off his back. After having just one goal in his first 20 games. And this is a goal scorer. Raquel had five goals in six games on 22 shots. Like, okay, here we are. That thing we've been waiting for all season for like the last two seasons, maybe even three, Raquel's finally back on track. And then he goes dark again. So it's been a really uh, frustrating season for Raquel and anybody holding him on their rosters. He's a good streamer. I'd take him over Kempe and Carter, for example. I'd take him over Riley Smith too. But it really is frustrating that time and time again, night in, night out, Raquel's taking shots and not scoring. And I don't, still don't know, If he's to blame or if his team is to blame, there's been rumors lately that he might be involved in some trade talk, but we'll leave the rumors to the rumor mongers. Uh, The only Anaheim Duck that I might be interested in, Elon, is one who I never expect to score a goal, and that's John Gibson, who since uh, getting injured, and like he was, remember, he's back and he's injured again. Uh, But since then, since the the initial injury, uh, John Gibson has four starts. And he has a 9.55 save percentage in those starts. Just six goals against on 134 shots. 9.71 exactly. Three times for John Gibson in his last four starts. Of course, he only won uh, two of those games where he was in 971 and he lost another against Colorado on Friday night. But John Gibson is somebody who maybe took a nice little injury vacation and could be feeling better than he had been earlier this season. He's someone I have some renewed interest in.
1: Okay, yeah. Like on one hand, I could also point out that he like didn't have a good game today actually. He let in uh four goals on 33 shots, but it was against Colorado and next week Anaheim gets San Jose twice to start the week before two tough games against Vegas. So it's like Aiden Hill had trouble with Vegas today though. He had a lot of trouble with Vegas in the last game, so I don't even know what point I'm making there. Yeah, Gibson, <laughs> like if he's a goalie that's out there that he was dropped because he was so Remember there was that whole stretch where he was letting in three plus goals like every single game for like a month and a half. And so like I imagine he was dropped in a lot of leagues and maybe he's still out there. So, yeah maybe at least for these couple games against San Jose. And then as far as Ricardo Kel goes, I'll just like conclude there by saying if you've got him on your roster, I guess you hold him because they've got Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday next week. But for those two games in the following week, he'd have to have quite the week this week for me to be interested in still holding him for that following week with a bad schedule. Okay, so now we're getting to teams that only play or okay I guess no we were on 11 times now we're on 10 times and I guess oh so I actually had to put Anaheim at the top because of the forecast. so this is the part where you have to decide what you like better a 4-2-4 or now we're going to do a 4-3-3 a bunch of teams playing four times next week and then three times for the final two weeks so maybe these are going to be teams where you're going to want the player for now but not expect to hold them long term let's start in Winnipeg they get Ottawa, Ottawa, Toronto, Edmonton next week and then a week of all Toronto and then a week of all Edmonton and then ending with Montreal uh, the big news in Winnipeg is that Blake Wheeler is out indefinitely with a suspected concussion uh, so now the jets have been having to manage without him and they obviously did fine on saturday versus montreal they won five nothing they were running shifley connor and cop and then stasny ehlers and dubois as the top six and the top power play had stasny shifley connor mason appleton and Josh Morrissey, because of course, like Ehlers and Dubois could never get a sniff of the top power play if the Winnipeg Jets have someone like Mason Appleton available up there. So I guess that's just something that happens on Winnipeg, and we should be used to this by now. Uh, the Short Shifts guys already brought up Andrew Kopp as a clear add, and he had another goal and assist game on Saturday. Brian, I think we're at the point. Tell me if you agree or disagree. I would say Cop is the fourth best Jets forward to roster. Like after you got Shifley, Connor, and Ehlers, then after that, give me Cop over like Dubois or Stasny, right?
2: I think that's exactly where we're at, Elan. And Pierre-Luc Dubois also just been so bad lately as the other potential. Like, you would think that he would be year fourth best forward in Winnipeg, even above Paul Stasny. Uh, but no, he had a two-goal game a few nights ago. But overall, just, uh, like, barely even shooting the puck. He has three points, all goals, in his last eight games, uh, but only has seven shots in his last six games. So there's really no nice slice you can take of Pierre-Luc Dubois for pretty much his entire stay in Winnipeg, outside of a couple multi-point games that he's put on the score sheet. Paul Stasny, I guess, would be the other candidate to be worth rostering more than Kopp, and he's doing okay. He's got three shots in each of his last three games, but again, nothing terribly exciting happening in the goals or assist columns, while Kopp is actually uh, putting up some numbers so for that reason I will go Andrew Kopp and sorry I said some numbers like he's not doing anything he's putting up really great numbers so Andrew Kopp clearly the runaway I would even say fourth best forward to roster in Winnipeg ahead of Pierre-Luc Dubois ahead of Paul Stasny both honestly like it's clear Elon Pierre-Luc Dubois is a drop right no one should own no one should have him on their roster
1: I mean this the Jets play four times next week they start the week Monday Wednesday against Ottawa twice so maybe I'll hold Dubois for two more games and then, yeah, after that, if he still does nothing, then maybe he's a drop. And then definitely for three games in each of the final two weeks, definitely not someone you should, like, assume you're going to need to keep stuck to your roster once the schedule dries up. So I agree with you there. Uh, let's go now to another 4-3-3 team, and that's Philadelphia. Uh, Brian, I guess since we brought up Jeff Skinner then that means we're forced to also bring up the other player who we keep bringing up and then he keeps disappointing us in Shane Gosses-Beher. But we have to bring up Shane Gosses-Beher again because ever since he was waived, he's been really good. He scored a power play goal from the top power play on Saturday versus Boston. Uh, Philly did play today, I believe. So I guess we could bring... Oh yeah, this like loss to Buffalo. And what did Gosses-Beher do? He got a goal and an assist. So look at this guy. He's on fire. All he needed was the motivation of getting waived and not getting claimed. <laughs> so now next week, Philly plays four times. Uh, I guess he's still a scratch risk. I, I want to say, like, now that he's hot, he probably won't get scratched. But I guess you never yeah, know with, this, say with Alan yeah. Uh But Brian, like, I don't know. At this point... I I don't even have anything else to talk about on Philly anyways. I'm not going to be like, yeah, the giroud connect me line is doing well. Obviously, they're rostered in all leagues. So I guess I'm going to say people should probably go and craft Shane gosses Don't get mad at me if he gets scratched, but he's looking really good. And Philly plays four times next week.
2: Yeah, gosses has now played six games in a row without being scratched. It's funny because he goes from being scratched and waved to playing 20 minutes a night and quarterbacking a top power play. So like nothing really computes here. Neither necessarily do Shane goss's Bears' three goals in the last four games on nine shots. It's great, but it's not going to continue that way. But it's really nice while it lasts, and you could probably do a lot worse for defense options on your roster at this point in the season. So definitely at least take a peek at Shane Goss's Bear. Elon, if you had to pick one player... Uh, I'll say rest of season, but you can change the time frame if you want. Uh, who would you choose between Shane Gossespierre and Jeff Skinner?
1: Gossespierre.
2: Okay. Why? That's because quick. he's a defenseman?
1: No, like Jeff Skinner sucks. Okay. And uh, like, it'll, Gossespierre has been good multiple times this year. Like I'll need to see a lot more from Jeff Skinner. <laughs> but yeah, I guess it's possible it could go the other way. But also, yeah, defensemen are usually harder to find. I feel like there's a lot of guys out there that are similar to Skinner.
2: I am also with you for as good as Skinner looked In this one game today on the top (laughs) line with Olufsen and Renner, we have no idea if it will look good again and if this will last.
1: Ooh, and another reason why you'd want gosses is if your league has NA spots, then you get to play a little cheat code here where he's going sent to the taxi squad every single time that Philly has a day off. So you get to stash him and add a replacement for gosses when he doesn't play. So even when Philly has these two three-game weeks to end the season, maybe you hold on to him because you don't actually have to give up a roster spot when they're not playing. Mm. So... That's uh, a nice little loophole if you could take advantage of it. Okay, so now let's go to Calgary. So this is like again, two of the next three weeks are three games, and one is four weeks. But now next week is three. So it's going three, four, three. We're gonna have a few of those. Hopefully, everyone's following what I'm talking. This is- makes sense, right, G, Brian? <laughs> With explaining the strategy when I say there are a three, four, three team. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, they play three games in the in the. In, in next the week. next week, and then four games the week after, and three games the week after that.
1: Okay, so from now on, I'm just going to be saying three four three, and not explaining it to every single team. So, okay, Calgary Flames had some new lines versus Edmonton yesterday, the first time they played in a long time, and they seemed to work. Uh, the Flames won five. Was it five? I have here five two, but no, it was five nine. Okay, let me say, it. and it worked and they seem to have worked. The Flames shut out the Oilers, scored five goals, a 5-0 win. Who would have expected that? Uh, so here were the Lions. Lindholm, Goudreau, and Kachuk. So lies Lindholm was centering Goudreau and Matthew Kachuk. And then Monahan was centering Dubé and and Then they had Backlund with Lucic and Nordstrom. And you know, you'd think that's not great for Sean Monahan, right? Getting split up from Goudreau. But hey, he scored an even-strength goal, as did Goudreau, who had also been ice cold. So maybe being apart is better for them. Maybe they've been each other's worst problem. Uh, by the way, Brian, if you recall, Ben and Lewis talked about Gaudreau and Giordano and Markstrom on short shifts back on Tuesday because all of them were dropped in Cacupful Tier 1 because the like, Calgary didn't play at all until Saturday. They had those games scheduled against the Canucks, and I was involved in all three of these drops and ads. I was the person who dropped Jacob Markstrom. I was totally frustrated with him. So, of course, now he got a shutout, and uh, I'm not regretting it, though. It's fine. Like, I knew what I was doing. I know that he's going to play a lot, and he's supposedly a good goalie, though he had been so cold for a while. So.
2: He'd been really bad.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I'm not going to forget that because what I also did is I had $17 of Fab left and I bid it all to get Giordano and Gaudreau and they both uh, made it worth my while right away. They both scored a goal and had an assist on that game versus Edmonton on Saturday. So we'll see if that can continue. Also another two assist game for Mikhail Backlund on Saturday, bringing him to seven points in his last six games. So I don't know. I guess we don't need to go into Gaudreau and like Giordano and those guys. We've talked about them all season long. Seems like they might go hot, might go cold. I'm interested to see how these new lines continue to look over the next few games. But let's talk about backland like i said seven points in his last six games sustainable or fleeting like it seems like he's been doing really well ever since the coaching change
2: he has been and he's a player that coaches love to love right backland uh, is usually someone who doesn't lose minutes very often they did go down to about 15 minutes a night but is back up to 18 and a half in his most recent game and uh i can't say that it's All sustainable, right? He has a, like, he's been on a great run. We see Backland go hot and cold the way he's done lately. I love that he had nine shots in two games going into Saturday's matchup against Edmonton, where he had no shots, but two assists. One thing to keep in mind about this game against Edmonton, Elon, is that Edmonton uh, was pretty checked out right? I don't think they were at their best. Uh, they didn't seem to be fully having their head in the game. Remember, it was a night that they were just supposed to be uh, having this celebration of life for their ex-teammate Cole Becave, uh, but uh, because of postponements, they ended up having to actually play a hockey game after that service was held. And it, Connor McDavid had this quote about calling out the league, and maybe there was something to it. So I'm not going to get too bought into any of Calgary's uh, great production. I know you want to as a new uh, Gaudreau and Giordano owner, but I'm not going to get too hyped about it. Although I do hope that some of these flames did get off the schneid, because they needed a really easy, easy night to bo- to all of them be able to do something. Uh, so Mikhail Backlund, honestly... He's like the Jordan Stahl in Calgary, right? A lot of similarities there. You hold him when he's hot, you drop him when he's cold, and that's pretty much the end of it.
1: Yeah, I'll take that as well. Next week, by the way, Calgary plays three times. Interesting, though. Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. So you're getting three like slow days where you're going to be able to fit them in your lineup. So someone like a Backland or even like a Manjapani, like it's not bad to grab a flame, and, and then you could drop him for the weekend, which is always nice to pick up another player who's playing Saturday, then another player who's playing on Sunday. Okay, let's go to Pittsburgh now. Also a 3-4-3 team. Uh, Malkin is still out, but apparently he could be back soon. So that's obviously going to change things. So, uh, ba- hang on, I'm going to yeah. interrupt
2: you. Where did you see that he could be back soon? Because I know he's out, like he skated for the first time on Wednesday, but I didn't see any indication that a return is imminent. Sometimes it happens this way, right? They, they skate and it's like, oh, suddenly they're back in the lineup. That's great. It's not the feeling I'm getting around Malkin
1: all right that's fair yeah so the latest on nbc sports edge uh, mike Sullivan said malkin is making progress which is encouraging but still unclear when he will be available to return and he skated for his first time on Wednesday you're right so i take it back malkin will be back at some point he's skating because he's planning to play might be not until the actual playoffs might not even make it to your fantasy playoffs so what are you going to do let's assume he's not there in the meantime uh ben and lewis took care of anti-jinxing brian rust back into being productive because they talked about how bad he'd been on the short shifts earlier this week which led to a two-goal one-assist. Out first versus the jet devils on friday and it looks like brian rust had another great game today with another goal and an assist so i guess that takes care of that ben had his hot take that he thought that maybe when Malcolm comes back he's gonna bump rust and not mccann from the top power play so rust heard that and decided no no i'm gonna hold my spot i've been there for a while for good reason uh so i don't know there's not really much to talk about on pittsburgh i don't think that has been brought up recently like mark jankowski uh, brought a four-game point streak into today's game versus New Jersey. He had six points over his last four games. But Mark Jankowski... Where's this guy? Did he, he a- even play? Did he not play?
2: <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not, not seeing him in this... <laughs> I'm furiously checking. We both went to Frozen Tools, right, to see if he's on a... No, he. No. it looks like he was... I assume well, scratched.
1: That's funny. Okay, ho- well, I'm not. Hopefully, he's injured. But like, that would be really mean to scratch someone that's on a four-game point streak. So, anyways, I guess that answers that question. of If you should go and consider Mark Jankowski, uh there's a rookie named Radim Zohorna who's been getting some points recently. But I think we can move on to the Arizona Coyotes, who are now we're going three three four. So even worse than three four three. If you're adding a Coyote, or if you have a Coyote, you're going to have bad schedules for a couple of weeks before finally getting a good schedule in the finals. Though next week there are two off day games, so that makes them better than some other of the three three four teams uh so the coyotes first of all another player who apparently listens to the show this is a good joke it's like a lame joke even that i've said like multiple times now these players (laughs) listen to the show get mad but anyways jacob chikrin we had a whole debate last week about petrangelo versus chikrin and we both picked petrangelo and then chikrin uh definitely made himself the clear, better answer, at least last week. He went nuts. He had a trick versus Anaheim, then had two assists uh, for two games in a row versus LA and the Ducks. So yeah, or the two games versus LA. So Jacob Chikrin is back hot and maybe we made the wrong call there. It doesn't really matter because both of these guys are rostered in most of your leagues. Brian, Phil Kessel, maybe making uh, you eat some crow. I remember I brought him up a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we did a show where we were looking at players uh, and their Yahoo rostered percentage and trying to predict who's going to go up or down. Kessel was 28% at the time. I I brought him up as one of my players I think will go up. You said you thought it looked about right. Since then, Kessel's been pretty good. One goal and five assists in the last five games. Uh, He had a three-assist performance versus Vegas on Friday to buoy that. He actually now leads the team in points, which I didn't expect to happen. He has 32 points ahead of Connor...
2: is that a credit to Kessel or a discredit to the Arizona Coyotes?
1: <laughs> I've got to imagine it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B, right? So Garland is 31, Keller 30, Chickren 29. So I don't know if Kessel's going to end as the leading scorer, but obviously his Yahoo percentage rostered has gone up. He's up to 44% now. Brian, if you had to pick now, do you think uh, his play is going to lead his rostered percentage on Yahoo to go back to that 28% that you thought he'd land at? Yeah. Or do you think, yeah, okay. I do. <laughs> What's the reason? Like, So what he's done recently you're not really liking?
2: I just – I don't have a great reason, I'm going to be honest. Uh, he's still just – like, just a couple – this is not the way that Phil Kessel has ever produced, right? When Phil Kessel produced, he puts up a lot of shots on goal, has a lot of power play opportunities. And, by the way, those have come lately. But this is just – these aren't – the. It's not... I I have no other way to say this. This isn't the way Phil Kessel produces. Uh, He's scored on a quarter of his shots. It's been a nice run. The assists are a nice touch. Eight assists over his last 11 games, plus the sixth goal. So 14 points in 11 games for Phil Kessel. But I assume... He's just going to go cold again the way he was before this streak, which uh, which was about an equal length. He had a 10-game cold spell. Before that, he had a five-game run for that a five-game cold spell. So I think Phil Kessel is just going to be off again, on again. Right now, he's on again. And I expect his percent roster to just yo-yo back and forth the rest of the way. Uh, I would... I don't know if you are any have any interest in betting on this, Elon, but I would definitely bet that Phil Kessel will not lead the Arizona Coyotes in scoring by the end of the season.
1: Uh, like, I don't think I'd go one for one on that. Like, I feel like I'd want some odds in my favor since there's a lot of good contenders there. But I think he has a, a chance. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it'll be close.
2: I didn't say he has no chance. I would say I would bet that he won't.
1: Okay, I guess so would I, if it was Kessel versus the field, because there is, like like we said, Keller, Garland, and Chikrin all breathing down his throat. I guess we do have to mention Michael Bunting, who was mentioned on short shifts, but I guess we've mentioned him because he scored another goal on Friday versus Vegas, so five goals in six games going into today, and Arizona got shut out, so make that five goals in seven games. Uh, I don't know, it's, just, it's another Ross Colton, but I guess a little better, because he's been on a good line and on the top power play, so I guess Michael Bunting, we've got to like at least better than Ross Colton. Is he someone on your radar, like more than Kessel, or that be like making you like you don't hate Kessel that much right
2: no no and I don't hate Kessel at all Elon I'm just a realist when <laughs> I know what to expect from I, I should also mention Arizona's power play has been pretty strong lately too which is another reason that Kessel's been doing well I think they've scored on a quarter of their opportunities as a team over about the same run that Kessel's been on so that's uh, that's been one way he's collected points yeah Michael Bunting uh I, I I have nothing to say about it. The shortest guys yeah. covered him pretty well too. Ben was just like, yeah, we could talk about him, but we're not going to. Uh,
1: Which maybe it. isn't fair, right? He's playing with Garland and Schmaltz. He's on the top power play with Garland, Schmaltz, and. Uh... I guess, two defensemen, Goligosky and Chikrin. I don't know if that's a top power for the second power play, they seem pretty even. So he's getting good deployment. He's been scoring lately. Obviously like the goals aren't going to keep up like this, yeah. but could be someone worth rostering. But again, also like I said, right. Arizona doesn't have the best schedule.
2: Yeah. It's not fair to totally discount. him. He had 19 points in 16 games with Tucson on in the HL this season, and last season, 49 points in 58 games with Tukes on. Uh, the thing is that those were his fifth and sixth years in the AHL. So at this point, you're looking at 25 year old who's never gotten a sniff at the NHL. Uh, and been with the same organization the whole time. And it's not like Arizona has been really hurting, uh, like for, for opportunities to offer people to step up into their big league depth chart. So there's always a chance that we're going to see something brand new here. And I'm keeping my mind open to it, but I'm not uh, taking the bunting dive yet.
1: Okay. That's fair. I think it's pronounced Tucson, but uh, regardless. Okay. So let's go down to St. Louis. The what did final I say? Tucson. 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 I think the sea is, I think the sea is silent. It's
2: like a soft sea.
1: Yeah, two, two sides okay Uh, so St. Louis is the last 3-3-4 team before we're going to get to teams with like really not great schedules Uh, St. Louis uh, has uh, Minnesota, Colorado and Arizona next week I'll be interested to see what they do Uh, one player who's come to the team recently is Colton Pareko who returned from his upper body injury on Monday after missing over a month in four games so far he hasn't been able to hit the score sheet Uh, he had two shots and five blocks at least in the 3-2 win over Minnesota yesterday but pointless in four games and Pareko was on like a half point per game pace before getting hurt meanwhile the much lower rostered yahoo vince dunn is on a great run at the moment he had three assists on saturday now has five points in his last three games three game point streak for anyone that kept pareko like stashed him brought him back for the week should we recommend that they look and see if vince dunn is available in free agency and if yes then make the swap go for the guy getting more power play time and more offensive minutes like, again yeah, pareko is good for blocks but doesn't seem like the offense is there yet i wonder if he's 100 percent.
2: oh yeah well the offense is never really there for colton Pareco. Well, he was
1: on a good run, like at the start of the year, he was half point per game, which is good for a defenseman.
2: Yeah, for sure. But I don't think it was ever supposed to quite sustain with the way that he's played. Uh, It would be 40 points with, with peripherals is what we hope from Pareko and from Vince Dunn, we hope for power play points every so often. So he got one in his last game on Saturday night, and he had even strength points the two nights before to go with eight shots on goal. So those are all reasons to look at Vince Dunn, especially if you're not that into Colton Perico's peripherals. While we're in St. Louis, though, I do just want to also mention that Tori Krug is alive and well. Remember, there was that rough patch where he was pointless in, what was it, six or seven? That was This was back in mid-March, and he had lost some power play time to Vince Dunn. And now he is trucking along just fine three power play points in his last seven games. And overall, he has six points in his last eight. So anybody who was patient... Tory Krug. I hope you were, but he's doing just fine. Although unfortunately, he's still not shooting quite as much as he did when he was with Boston. But I guess that comes with a change of scenery
1: yeah so uh, expect fewer shots but still it's nice to see the points coming which is obviously the main thing okay next up we go to vancouver who yeah haven't played in a while and they are only gonna play two times next week but it's good news right i guess i assume hopefully this means the players are healthy and like ready to go and play at an elite level which must mean they're okay so i'm gonna trust the league on this which i know is maybe a mistake yeah. but regardless it's not my decision anyway so <laughs> whatever but they're scheduled to be back next friday and they're gonna play two times next week on friday and saturday then they go four games each week uh for the rem- Remainder, right, for the next two games of your playoffs, which makes sense because they have a lot of games that needed to be rescheduled. So, if you have a Canuck and you could hold on till Friday, you're going to be getting a lot of games starting there to the end of the year. And a lot of Canucks have been dropped in a bunch of my leagues. I've seen Besser, I've seen JT Miller in a couple of my FA pools. So, maybe you're going to play a game of chicken with your competitors in your league of like, can I wait till Tuesday to grab them? Can I wait till Wednesday to grab them? Because these are guys you're probably going to want on your roster. Su- like you know for when they start playing again obviously they're not doing anything for you until friday so i don't know i don't really know what advice to give just uh, if you could get like a marquee guy like that then try to get him of course if you're eliminated at that point because you lose in your quarterfinals because you didn't get any games obviously they won't help you
2: yeah exactly i i'm stuck with besser on my roster and i'm back and forth between deciding whether i'm gonna wait for his two games late in the week or or if I'm going to cut ties and try and add another couple games between now and then. Of course, I'm in the cup full with Besser, which means that there are teams on bye weeks who could snap him up essentially at no cost. So that's the reason that I wouldn't drop him. If I knew every team had something to play for this week, I'd be a little readier to drop him and then play that game of chicken that you mentioned. I guess uh, for anybody whose leagues go full season, I might just say be wary of how long and, uh, condensed the road to the connects finishing the season is. We just, I saw a tweet talking about how many games Montreal had played in the last however many nights and how tired they looked most recently and how, uh, Vancouver's schedule is, I won't say twice as intense, but it's even more intense than what Montreal was going through. So just something to keep in mind with your Vancouver place. It's a really weird situation where they're all getting over this, I mean, I'll say life-threatening virus that seemed to do some real damage to their bodies and health and well-being, and they're just going to get right back into it with a back-to-back and then basically not stop playing hockey at least every other night for a month. It just doesn't sound like a pretty situation, and I wouldn't want to be relying too heavily on any of these guys for production. Honestly, I just hope they can come back on the ice, be well, and be a a reasonably good version of their hockey selves.
1: Okay, yeah, I think that's a good point. Also, Sir saying in the chat here that he'd be even maybe a little surprised if they play that Friday game, right? Like, it's one thing for them to schedule, it's another thing for them to actually be ready to do and for everyone to not test positive and all of that, so... I guess we'll see. Yeah, so I think you're making a good point to maybe not rely too much on these connects. Maybe you can just let Brock Besser go because even if he does play, he might not be at his best or his teammates might not be at their best. So it's a tough right. situation for you, Brian, because you're like worried about him getting taken by one of the teams with a bye, but you could lose next week and then you're just eliminated and it doesn't matter who got B- Brock Besser. I think you'd rather just make it through and then hope that the rest of your players can do something. So it's a tough situation for sure. Okay, so now we've got the Washington Capitals. They've got a good schedule next week, playing four times, then after that only two and then three. And that two games in the semifinals are like late in the week. So probably you're gonna be considering dropping a lot of capitals after this next week. But with that in mind, um I don't know. There's not like there's generally not too much, right? There's like Verana who we've brought up recently, who got a point today on the power play, so that's good from the second who power didn't play. Get,
2: who didn't get a point in, in Washington today?
1: Yeah, that's fair. So maybe we shouldn't put too much stock in a game where they scored eight points. I guess who should I ask you about? I'll ask about Justin Schultz. He's a guy who uh, generally you're not expecting much from, but, you know, he had a good game recently, a goal and two assists in the 4-3 win over Buffalo on Friday. And how did, he must have gotten some points in this big win over the Bruins today. I'm bringing it up now. And I'm seeing Justin Schultz with, oh, only an assist. So there you go. Anyway, have you changed your mind? Like, I feel like at this point, Justin Schultz seems like someone I'd probably want rostered in a lot of money. He has seven points in his last 10 games. Now we're making the eight points in his last 11 games. If he was a free agent in your cupful division going into next week, is he someone you'd consider or would he be like, nah, I don't yeah. have faith in Justin Schultz?
2: No, I, I changed my answer on Justin Schultz the last time you brought him up. Which was oh, you when did? He was- yeah. I forgot. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> then I guess this question is moot. Yeah, you brought him up back when he was on that little run, uh, like second week of March. And was showing some, yeah, like things were looking good for Justin Schultz. And I said, yeah, I would be okay to, to roll with him while things are going well. And actually, this has been a really good season for Justin Schultz. He's got some of the best five on five production of his career and there's no crazy variant underpinning it. I think he's just more involved in the offense. Like his on shooting percentage is high, but he's on a 47 point pace. And even if I think you chose to regress, uh, some of the variants that you might say is too much, like more than he deserves, you might still land at about 40 points, which is better than he's been for the last, uh, for most of the last few years. So yeah, I would for sure take Justin Schultz for a spin as an option for offense from my defense. Of course, that's all you're getting, right? You get maybe a hit here, a block there, but there's no peripherals of value that come with any kind of regularity from Justin Schultz.
1: Yeah, exactly. I guess, like, he's on a new team, right? So, I guess we'll start from this year moving forward. Or maybe we don't have to think so much about those years in Pittsburgh where clearly at times, you know, they weren't so into him. It seems like he's pretty good, but obviously not, not gangbusters, but like could be a solid, like, half point per game defenseman. Uh, so, I guess I'm watching. When I said there's nothing, like, I made up, like, fantasy relevance in terms of, like, obviously TJ Oshie had a huge game today and he's on a great run, four game point streak. I guess uh, Lars Eller had two goals. He's always been someone who, like, I look at when I see him in free agency for, like, a short stream. Like, he's the perfect mm-hmm. guy to add for a four game week that you know you're going to drop when he has two games the next week so someone to consider a good goal today
2: yeah i was kicking myself for not mentioning lars eller on the last show when he had been coming back from uh injury and i think a lot of people had just forgotten about him and washington had a pretty good schedule at the time now they're at the end of this episode so clearly they don't have a great schedule the rest of the way but like you said always always a good shot for like a one game stream is lars eller
1: yeah, he's like my Frank Vetrano, I guess. Like a guy yeah. He's always out there, stream him in. He has a decent chance to get a point, but not going to be worth holding. Uh, so Columbus goes three, four, then two. So not great next week. Good semifinals if you want to grab a Columbus guy. They... Uh right now are in some trouble, though. Zach Wierenski out for the season and David Savara traded to Tampa, so might be tough sledding for their goalies moving forward. This has opened up a couple spots. Michael Zotto is playing on the top pairing with Seth Jones and Miko Lettinen, who had some hype going into the season for the Leafs and was uh, subsequently traded to Columbus. He got on the top, or the second power play, I should say, for Columbus, so he's getting some time. Uh, I don't know. Neither of those guys too interesting to me. Are you interested in any defenseman not named Seth Jones on Columbus moving forward?
2: No. We've looked for value here, and I truly I'm not sure there is any. We'll see. I, I don't know. The the Blue Jackets as a team seem to be changing pretty rapidly. Really interesting, actually. You know, Riley Nash and David Savard and Nick Foligno all out the door now. And those are all very John Tortorella types, right, who have really been the type of player who plays the Tortorella system and buys it. And I really just wonder if this is this is all the start of things to come, uh, which and that thing to come would be John Tortorella uh, being done in Columbus. It hasn't been a good year, and to see a lot of Torts type guys on their way out, it definitely makes you think
1: yeah definitely and now he's forced to play the non-torts types guys and that's actually been good for like Max Domi who much like Rasmus Dahlin has done nothing all year but now as like the season's basically over and they're on in sell mode he's hot he's got six points his last six games Domi's playing on the top line with Bjorkstrand and line a uh he's also on one of those evenly distributed power plays lately obviously the lines change all the time so you don't want to read too much into it but like as players go out I guess that just leads to Domi potentially getting more and more ice time so at this late stage in the season Brian is it finally time that people should come Consider Domi, maybe if not for next week, then for those four games in the semifinals.
2: I haven't seen this more and more ice time thing happen yet for Max Domi. I mean, yeah, he's. Playing. I'm assuming, like, if felino has okay. gone, maybe. Yeah. Well, I don't. I still don't even know if that changes anything for him. 15 and a half, 16 minutes a night, which sure, that's been the high water mark for him for most of the season. He seems to be somewhere in the 12 to 14 minute range most nights. Uh, I think, as long as Tortorella's the coach, I don't know that that. Means I don't know. I have a lot of questions about Columbus the rest of the way. Like, will there be someone who emerges on defense scoring, and will the team be able to loosen up and play a different style? Because Tortorella's personnel is gone, so does he just change the way he's been trying to build this team? Which could also be good news for really anybody in Columbus, including Patrick Liney. I don't know, Max Domi after three games. I'm not any more into him now than i was a week or two ago but i take your point that with things changing in columbus maybe he is someone who can benefit
1: yeah i don't know six points his last six games i feel like i like him more now than i did a week ago i will say but i'm not saying like i'm going gaga over him but he's been added to my watch list when for a while he was like someone i didn't even consider and now like he's doing stuff he does seem to
2: be playing center for the first time again since like late January or early February. He went a long stretch where I think he was playing on the wing. And so maybe that is working well for him. Actually, his days at center in Columbus were slightly more productive than his days on the wing. So maybe that's something to look for. Good catch, Elon. Yeah, I'd say don't add him
1: now, but look at him for maybe the semifinals if he keeps producing. Okay, the Islanders... Okay, now we're down to teams that play 3 3 3, which is going to be the worst you're going to get, except for Edmonton, who we'll get to at the end. Uh, so the Islanders are the first 3 3 3 team I'll bring up. So, not an exciting schedule in any of the weeks in the playoffs. So you're pretty much only rostering Islanders if you like the players and not because you're excited about a schedule for them. Uh, obviously, Kyle Palmieri, we've talked about a lot over this past week since he got traded there. Uh, today, he was playing on a line with Peugeot and Wallstrom, and he was on a power play where they scored a power play goal. So, that's nice for Palmieri. And he's the kind of guy I'd expect this, right? he's I don't think he's going great i don't think this is like an improvement for him i think lewis said the same thing it's like a side thing like i'll probably he'll probably continue to be like a i don't know half point per game guy i'd say for the rest of the year might get a power play goal every now and then that's my take on him nice to get a power play goal today was on a power play not with matt barzal though it did get the most time his unit with bailey nelson wallstrom and letty so i don't know i'm not too excited about Palmer, especially with a weak schedule
2: I would say that Palmieri is a classic example of a guy whose value goes down when he's traded and he's a good player and it's exciting to see him go to a better team. Um, but Palmieri hasn't been good this year, so it's hard to say his value is going to go down. It's probably just going to stay the same, which is, I assume, be a 50, 55-ish point guy. Elon, when I I was talking to you about what I should do with Palmieri because he was on my roster, I had him in IR all this time. He's been injured and then traded and then he was there ineligibly for me, uh, for as long as he's been in Long Island. And you told me you saw Palmieri as like a Beauvillier type. And I thought that was a pretty apt comparison. Like maybe Palmieri, of course, gets a, a couple more points than Beauvillier the rest of the way. But somebody who could be quiet on really any night and not someone you're expecting a really consistent offensive explosion out of.
1: Yeah, but also Beauvilliers, every once in a while, has like a two-goal game. And like I think yeah. Palmieri is definitely capable of that. So yeah, I think that is a decent comparison. Okay, so if you look at the Islanders, at this point, like I said, they don't even play this week until Thursday. So I think if you have anyone not named Barzal, you might want to consider just dropping them. Yeah, Drop Palmieri, drop Nelson, like Eberly, maybe even. I don't know, maybe he's a little tougher to drop, Beauvilliers, Bailey. But maybe you can even be sneaky, right? Drop them and then try to get them back for the Thursday, Friday, Sunday at the end of the week. I think that's your best case scenario if you can pull it off. Okay, so another 3-3-3 team is Chicago, who have a weak schedule, so it's really hard to recommend anyone aside from Kane and Dabrinkit maybe Connor Murphy for those perists. We were into Kirby Dock when he returned, and his assist versus Columbus in the 4-3-1 on Saturday brought the four points in his last six games, so not bad playing with Dabrinkit and Strom. Uh, so they've split up Kane and Dabrinkit. Kane was centered by, uh, by Suter, and Hagel was on that first line in Saturday's win. Anyways, I don't know. Kirby Dock... Like, I like him if he had a better schedule I'd be into him but four points in six games I think he's going to continue to play it around that clip I just don't know if that's worth it for you with a schedule
2: agreed and we talked about him almost being droppable right just as he'd come back and we're like ah, we didn't see any instant returns and we didn't see his deployment was as primo as we thought it could be so those are all reasons to say you know I'll stream in Kirby Doc if and when I need him but I'm not gonna hold him while I could get four games out of someone else
1: yeah, exactly. Okay. Nashville's another 3-3-3 team. And unfortunately, they've lost Ellie Tolvanen. He's week to week with a lower body injury. Huge loss for a team. They've, they're already without Philip Forsberg, who's on the IR with his upper body injury. On the plus side, they did get Ryan Ellis back. He returned from his injury on Saturday versus Tampa. No points. Uh, the Preds got shut out 3-0. And Ellis didn't get power play time. Eckholm was on the second power play, though the Preds play today. And I see that Ryan Ellis did Get a point. Today. They're actually in overtime right now, Dallas and Nashville. So maybe by the time we're done with the show, we'll see if Ellis does anything else. But he scored a was this a regular goal or power yeah, even strength goal. I'll just check quickly on Frozen Tools to see if Ellis was on the power play today. And no, so still not. It's like Yosi on the top power play, Ekholm on the second power play. Ellis got like a couple minutes in there, Uh so he's not as exciting to me at this point. Kind of like I don't know who I should compare him to, like a PK Subban maybe, like better than that, but than I'm that. not sure.
2: Well, if you look at PK Subban's schedule, so is Subban four 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 or four three four? Do you remember? Without,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring that up in just a second. They're four four three.
2: Okay, so four four three versus Ryan Ellis three three three. I will take Ryan Ellis three three three. Right? Okay. Like if I were to do yeah. the math and use Alice's average points per game played or contributions, if you're in a Cats league, I think I'd prefer Alice honestly still to a handful of defensemen. He might be one of the exceptions as being a guy we're talking about towards the end of the show that you might not even want to consider dropping. I'd be happy to hold on to him.
1: Yeah, on the flip side he might be available in free agency, so maybe you could add him though. I don't know. I, he's supposed to be this big offensive defenseman. He's gotten like 60 point paces in the past couple of years. Like I RV he like goes up and down between like going at 60 point pace yeah. and like a 40 point pace, but like not even getting top power play time is a little concerning. I guess Eckholm was someone who was supposed to get traded, but now Nashville's like in a playoff spot, so maybe that won't happen. So something to watch. Ellis is like good for sure. Like we've seen a good track record, but I don't love the fact this like non power play deployment at the moment. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Are you la- worried
2: at all about UC Saros as as a fan- to see hold the rest of the season because they only play 3 times a week and maybe he's still going to share time with Pecorino like it's it looks like he's starting Cyrus uh, so is starting 3 out of 4 games or maybe even 2 out of 3 games down the stretch
1: well, I don't know, Brian, because like when you say when you're looking at recently, like I think that Renee's generally been playing when it was a back to back and if they go three games in a week, it might just be three games with no back to backs, which means they can just give Saros maybe more games that or the same number of games as they would have okay. got with the four game weeks. So. Yeah,
2: you're exactly right. Rene has only started on a back to back for the last three weeks.
1: Yes, yeah, so I think they're going to ride out. Sar- they need him, right? They're in a playoff run now, so they don't have time to like be like, let's be fair, give Rene his time. Like, I think if Saros is doing well, Saros, another great game today so far. He stopped 23 of 25 with three minutes to go in overtime. Not worried at all. I love Saros. And he's been so good that even if he plays like a game less, he's like just giving me like 10 couple points every time he plays. So I'm loving him. Okay, the last 3-3-3 team is the Ottawa Senators. So finally, we can talk with this guy. I've mentioned a bunch of times on the show. How for real is Connor Brown? Like, how is he doing this? He has goals in seven straight games. He potted another versus the Leafs on Saturday. Is he like a must add at this point, regardless of how crappy the sense schedule is, or at the very least get him in for Monday, Wednesday? Like, okay, Ottawa plays Monday, Wednesday next week against Winnipeg. Like we've brought up. So is it like for sure? Like at least get Connor Brown for those two games, or do you think that this is going to for sure dry up just like your Buntings and your Ross Coltons?
2: <laughs> well, I think he's a, a little more reliable than your Buntings and your Ross Coltons. We've seen extended. Uh, or extended might be a stretch, no pun intended. But we've seen runs from Connor Brown in the past. But the thing is just that he's playing uh, at five on five with Clark Bishop and Ryan Dezingle in the last game. And he's also on the second power play unit um, for the most part, which also has Ryan Dezingle, Michael Amadio, and Evgeny Dadanov. Like such a, I love even at this point of the season, the Sens are still a collection of randoms. In fact, they're a collection of different randoms than they were for the first half of the season. All this to say, Connor Brown is not in prime uh, territory to be producing. And I just love that it keeps coming. In fact, I love his shots, especially Have you've seen this 18 shots in his last four games. And of course that's part of this seven game goal streak that he's on. Uh, fantastic. He only has one assist there though. So I know the second he stops scoring, I just don't have a lot of faith in any of his line mates, uh, taking the lead from there. I guess Ryan Dezingle can think about Ryan Dezingle is he only ever really scores, but he also never shoots like for someone who's supposed to be a 20 ish, even a one time 30 goal scorer. A lot of zeros and ones in the shots on goal column. Also, his minutes are getting slashed pretty heavily, too. But Connor Brown is like, a, I guess, maybe like a Michael Backlund. He's like a coach's pad. He does a lot of things right. He can play defensively. Uh, and then he is able to cash in every so often and go on these little runs. So I, I'd put Connor Brown in Mikhail Backlund territory, which is higher than Ross Colton territory.
1: Okay, I'm, I'm with that. It's going to be tough for him to keep it up, right? He's got now two games against Hellebuck, who's been so good this year. So it'll be interesting to see if Brown could keep this streak going. It's a fun thing to be watching. And let's end with the Edmonton Oilers, who, man, it kind of stinks if you drafted McDavid or Drysidal at the top of your draft. Now you go into your fantasy playoffs and you've got two games next week and then two games the following week. Finally, we get four games in the finals if you're still alive at that point because you've got to survive two weeks with only two games from your Oilers studs. So I feel like I don't really know what to say here. Obviously, you're not going to draw a McDavid or a dry settle. Nugent Hopkins managers are lucky to have him stashed in IR and apparently he'll be back next week. So you just get to keep him stashed until Friday and then you could bring him in. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Definitely not, don't hold Pugliarvi. Don't hold Yamamoto. I guess like we discussed how maybe Barry and Nurse are tough. Probably too good to drop. So I don't know. I don't really have a question about Edmonton. It's just kind of bad luck. Brian, how do you feel? You have McDavid in the cuckooful. Do you, Yeah, I, It's a bummer.
2: Yeah. I wish I was smarter and had started trying to trade. I actually tried to trade McDavid at the deadline, which I could never see myself doing, but it was just an opportunity to add some more games played. Uh, I failed. So I still have Connor McDavid and I just have to hope that he can do in two games what other superstars are still doing in three. And like his point totals for the year suggest, or three or four games, his point totals for the year suggest that mcdavid is capable of doing oh, this sure. yeah. so i'm really just gonna cross my fingers and hold my breath that Connor mcdavid can put up enough to get me through to a round where the edmonton oilers play more often but i think outside of him in dry saddle, and thank goodness as you said nugent hopkins is in ir i don't think any oiler aside from maybe tyson barry is worth Nurse. holding like yeah. I, I honestly i honestly. I don't know if I'd hold nurse. Like if you could, if I could swap nurse for Alice, nurse plays four times over the next two weeks. That's brutal. That's a killer.
1: Uh, let me just bring up his like his c- couple points are like uh, pretty amazing, right? I guess like he's based on some crazy
2: goal scoring
1: oh so you say the goal scoring is a little bit unsustainable all right well, hey sort i sort
2: of yeah, like he's I like he's, he's the second half jeff petrie right he's doing in the second half which what jeff petrie was doing in the first before he fell off and i feel like we all saw the jeff petrie trajectory change and so we can assume the same for nurse inter- i love that his shots are still there he'll get as many shots in two games as many defensemen get in four games like he's three four six shots in in a night that's fantastic but I just don't know that he's quite good enough to keep. Mike Smith, also, I would cut, even if I liked him, Ilana, two games a week, especially because one of these games in each of the next two weeks is on a really heavy night, right? So you're not even likely to, like, you could get more games, like, optimize your roster a lot better by not holding an Edmonton Euler if you don't yeah. absolutely need to, which you do if you have McDavid and Dreisaitl and maybe Barry and maybe Nurse, but really no one else
1: yeah that's right and Mike Smith for sure because also Edmonton plays Friday Saturday next week and that's assuming by the way this Friday game even happens like we said that's against Vancouver we're hoping that that game will happen but it's possible it doesn't but yeah like it's going to be a back to back if it does happen right so Mike Smith is going to give you one game next week and they'll play Koskinen in the other game so yeah I don't see why you would hold him if you could get like a Linus Allmark in free agency just make that swap and it sucks but you have to do it uh, okay Brian. so we've done it we've gone through all 31 teams ranking them all the way from Las Vegas all the way down to Edmonton best schedule to work schedule in the next three weeks we really hope everyone enjoyed the show that listened to it and we thank you so much for sticking with us all season we're wishing you the best of luck going into your fantasy playoffs i want to hear about a lot of championship teams tweet at us at keeping carls and keep us up to date with how things are going we're happy to give you any tips and tricks along the way also not too late to come join our discord community right like come join for the playoffs hang out for a month and you could always leave for the summer though actually we should mention that if you are a patron or thinking of becoming a patron we're gonna as always decrease the uh required like a pledge amount to get all of our perks from five dollars to one dollars we always do over the summer basically just any amount we just want you to stick around in the summer so not a bad time to sign up to be a patron won't even cost you that much to hang out with us and we'll try our best to give you advice you hang out with brian myself ben lewis all the smart people in the keeping carlson community
2: and this week, you'll get a bonus episode, right? We have a patron cast oh, coming up damn. on Wednesday. Patrons only episode where you can ask us anything. We've got a great list of questions this week, this month too. So you can join before April 14th, which is the date of the patron cast. Or even if you join us after that at keepingcarlson.com slash patron, you will still have access to that and all archived patron casts.
1: Yeah, there's been some fun ones over the years. By the way, Mason is pointing out, Brian, that when you said Nurse is like the second half Petrie, like Nurse has been good all year long. He hasn't (laughs) been, yeah. He's like the all-season Petrie, if Petrie had done it all year. But you're saying you still don't see it as sustainable.
2: I think I meant more in goal scoring. Ah, okay. I'm just seeing like Nurse had, uh, I don't know, Nurse still had like five goals over his first 25 games, which is pretty good for a defenseman.
1: Yeah, nurse is having a monster season. It's too bad that you even have to like be thinking of a decision like this at this point. It just sucks. The schedule has to be this way. Okay, Brian, this was a blast. Uh, I guess I've already said my thank yous and talked about the page. So keepincarlson.com slash patron if you have any interest. And if you are currently a patron, don't leave, please. We're gonna you could just decrease the amount. We'd love to for you to stick around with us in the summer. Uh, but okay, uh, let's cue the outro music, Brian. Let's send everybody home.
2: All right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and powered by our patrons. Logo art by BrandonWeb.com, outro music from Pat Roach. This episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Pool, Dauber Prospects, Natural Stat Trek, Evolving Hockey, Cap Friendly, org, Hockey Reference, HockeyViz, Viz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, and NBC Sports Edge. And Yahoo!
1: Great job, as always. Brian, this was so much
2: fun. Looking forward to talking to you on Wednesday for the patron cast. Until then, uh, remember, patron casts in Fantasy Hockey are not just for our patrons. They're for everyone.
1: Yeah, I mean, the patron cast is for patrons.
2: Okay. Yeah, but (laughs) everyone can be a patron.
1: That's true. (laughs) Okay.
2: Thanks, and bye!